This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast, episode 213. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Ulam Ramayasha. And today we're talking about a groovy guy, a nice guy. We're talking about Lupin the Third in a collection of his greatest heists. That is a classic collection of the Lupin manga recently released by Seven Seas. And we are very much excited to talk about the Lupin manga here on the show. And we were really excited to have talked about it with a great group of folks. We got Dr. and Foxy from the Ask Backward Anime Podcast. And also, we had on Shannon Strushi of the Strushi Movies YouTube channel and the One Piece podcast. So we're really, really excited to talk about Lupin with some big Lupin fans, really dig into manga, talk about what we enjoy about it uh, in comparison to like the anime, you know, some of uh, the strengths of Monkey Puzzle, really some of the weaknesses, and just overall like our feelings on the Lupin franchise. So it was a great, great conversation. And yeah, I'm excited to finally share it with y'all. Yeah, this was a really good discussion when I initially saw that uh, we were finally going to get another release of the Lupin manga somewhere. This was definitely one of those things where I was like, man, there's no way we can't talk about this on this show, you know? Mm -hmm. We're all big Lupin fans here. And, you know, it was great to be able to read the Lupin manga in a new format. even get a few new stories that I don't think had ever been published in English before as well in that collection. So that was really great. Mm -hmm. It was also fun to compare the new release with the Tokyo Pop release, which I did read all of back in the day, and I have all the original series, and then a lot of Worlds was wanted, so it was fun to go through and compare as I was reading the Tokyo Pop edition to the new edition, and uh, you'll have some surprising uh, takes from me on that in the discussion as well. Mm-hmm. But before we get into our discussion, we actually do have an email that we need to go over This email comes from Griffin J, and they say, Dear Manga Mavericks, I have recently found your podcast and have really enjoyed it. Recently, I have been reading We Shall Now Begin Ethics, and I have been really enjoying it. I'm a sucker for mentoring characters, and this manga hits the spot. Do you have any recommendations for philosophy or mentoring heavy manga? Thanks. And uh, first off, thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And thank you for sending the email. And uh, I thought this was really cool because um, I was not familiar with the series We Shall Now Begin Ethics, and I had to look it up. And it's actually a series that runs in a Grand Jump magazine, which I know Maxie is going to be very happy to hear us talk about anything Grand Jump related in particular. Yeah, we really should have asked them about their thoughts and recommendations for things similar to this series since they might be more familiar with it. That is true. I did actually like go out to read the first chapter, We Shall Now Begin Ethics, and I thought it was interesting. Unfortunately, it's not a series that's like officially licensed, but um, I could see it maybe getting picked up by like Seven Seas, maybe. This seems like the kind of thing that maybe they'd pick up, possibly. But yeah, I thought it was very interesting. I don't know if I have any series that I can recommend that are like, like it in tone, per se, because We Shall Now Begin Ethics is very, is clearly like a very adult manga. Sure. But in terms of this idea of like kind of teachers imparting life lessons to their students like the series, I think that some recommendations could include great teacher Onizuka. Obviously, it has like a more comedic tape, but there's a still more sense of ribaldry to We Shall Now Begin Ethics. So even though the character of Onizuka is very different from the teacher character in We Shall Now Begin Ethics. For sure. Yeah, you know, there's similar like life lessons uh, being imparted from teacher to student there. Uh, there's 
also Zepsibo's sensei vibes in terms of kind of the seriousness, the dourness of the teacher character. So that could be another good recommendation in terms of also a teacher looking out, reaching across for their students. Other uh, six said 120%, which is, you know, about a teacher who's really dedicated to making sure students are well educated on sex ed and you know, just sexual health and wellness. And then there's, this has more of a fantasy take, but interviews with monster girls is also kind of about like a teacher character looking out for his students and stuff like that. So those could be some good examples for things that lean more on the philosophy end. I think you would find stuff like maybe Mushishi pretty interesting in terms of like just being comfortable with uh, just an atmosphere about kind of like people's place in the natural world. Uh, I think that in things that take a look at like mentorship and also philosophy, Asama Tesuke's Buddha is of course like a great example, uh, a great recommendation for that. Monster might also fit the bill in, in a certain reading, a certain regard from Naoki Osawa. Those would kind of be some of the things that come to my mind uh, most immediately. Um, I have like one or two recommendations. I mean, first off, I totally agree. I'm Oh, Assassination Classroom might be another one. That's actually what I was going to recommend because I was going to say I'm a huge sucker for like series about adult characters taking younger characters under their wing and like mentoring them in like life and all that kind of stuff. And Assassination Classroom definitely really fits that bill. Yeah. And uh, actually, there's one that I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet i think blank canvas would be a good recommendation oh yes blank canvas of course uh, in terms of you know the relationship that she had to her mentor uh yeah and then discussions of artistic philosophy yeah i think that's another like great example there so yeah those are a few examples i think we have in terms of like series that focus on mentorship relationships and then Series that also explore like more philosophical themes that uh, could fit the bill. I was also thinking, you know, we just covered this recently. I think maybe in a way you could say our colors might fit this bill a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Again, about like an elderly mentor figure thinking about and looking out for a younger person, like kind of discussing philosophically concepts of like love and living honestly truthfully yourself. So yeah, that's another good example. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did have like a few other recommendations, but like, I'm not really sure if it's specifically what Griffin is looking for. But uh, when I think mentor characters, my shonen trash brain immediately goes to characters like All Might from My Hero Academia or like Genkai from Yu Yu Hakusho. So like, you know, if you're interested in reading Shonen Jump stuff in particular with like good mentor characters, those were like the two series that kind of come to mind. But again, I'm, I'm not exactly sure if that necessarily fits the bill of what you're looking for. But I think it gets a little away because it's not it, I think MHA or especially early on has more of that emphasis but that's true yeah yeah i think i think some of our, our examples have kind of are more focused specifically on relationship between mentor and students rather than it being one part of a of you know traditional battle shaman thing exactly yeah but yeah i i think th those were the series that kind of like came to mind at first and hey you know what uh, if you're listening to this and you have suggestions for series that fit this like sort of specific niche you can email us uh like griffin did at magabarics at gmail.com we say it at the end of every show but we love getting your guys's emails and we especially love getting emails where it's like hey i got i found your guys's podcast and i really enjoy it that really puts a spring in our step yeah we always enjoy getting nice emails like this just kind of asking us uh, just some thoughts on manga and just also showing support 
True show. And yeah, just thank you for being a listener and supporter. And thank you for your email. And we always love getting a chance to discuss some just interesting topics. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, think about, yeah, like recommendations or just uh, other things about the manga world that uh, we don't often get to just bring up in conversation usually. For sure. But yes, I don't think we have anything at the top of the show that we need to talk about. So I think we can just get into our discussion of Lupin the Third. Yeah, I think that the spotlight is on us now, so it's time for us to run against the wall and ride into the next adventure. It's time to take that call to adventure. And the Chief Slice never ends, just like a pox tester slice never ends. You know, always something to talk about, always something to steal. So it's time for us to steal the show. What can you say about Lupin the Third? He's a nice man, but he's cool. You know, he uses Walter. Yeah. The machine cries, bang bang. Yeah, he's the Lupin the Third. Nice man. Yeah, he smiles. And he gets angry, sometimes. But, he's a groovy guy. Yeah. Lupin the Third, go go, man. You gotta feel it. Yeah, Lupin. Yeah, Lupin. You're great. But you know what else is great? Is that Seven Seas has put out a collection of Lupin the Third manga that we are going to be talking about on this episode, entitled Lupin the Third Greatest Heist, which is a collection of Lupin the Third manga stories, all written and illustrated by Monkey Punch himself. And we have quite a few passionate Lupin fans here to help us talk about this collection. And uh, I guess just to start off, we have Shannon Strusi. Hello. And then also with us, we have uh, Dr. and Foxy from the SSA Network. Hello. Hi. Hey. Great to have you guys on the show to talk about this lovable loopy loony louse we all love to laugh and read his adventures and watch his adventures. It's just life so, loved, yeah. Yeah. Life, laugh, love, Lupin. That is the ethos. That is how we all spiritually feel about this wonderful man. This this crazy person that we all love to have been following his adventures for over 50-ish years now. I mean, well, you haven't been on 50 years, but he's been around 50 years, and we're going to talk about a collection of stories meant to celebrate the best of his adventures in the manga in particular that came out and was published by Futabasha to commemorate and pay respect to Monkey Punch shortly after he had passed away. So, yeah, and it's a, it's a nice collection of stories, and it's great to have you guys all on because, yeah, you're all big Lupin fans. Of course, Dr. Foxy, you guys, and Colton did the Changing Jacket series for the Ask Backwards Enemy podcast cover. 10 select specials and films from the Lupin franchise that really stood out. And Shannon, I feel like these past few years, your presence on social media has been all about gushing about Lupin. <laughs> yeah, much to the dismay of people who don't care about it. <laughs> and to the pleasure of those of us who do. I really appreciate your thoughts. And you made a very fantastic video essay on the first last year that I really enjoyed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I just watched that. I thought it was a pretty good video. It was fun to make. I was just indulging in my hyperfixation <laughs> talking about the movie. I plan to make a longer one, but I've got a lot of... I, yeah, I talked about the manga a little bit in there and stuff like that. 
<laughs> but yeah, this was a release that I was very excited about because, you know, it's great to have like a newly translated version of the Lupin manga. And hopefully if this collection does well, we'll get the second volume from Seven Seas Later and maybe future best of collections in time to come. Hopefully. But before we get into the manga properly... I do want to just go around and ask everyone about their experiences with Lupin as a franchise and series. How would we get into it? What versions we got into it from? And our earlier experiences with the manga. And Shannon, why don't we start with you? What were your formative experiences with Lupin and what made you the ardent fan you are today? I was too young to be watching it. It was in middle school. I probably started watching it when I was like 13. I'm not sure. It would have been around 2003 to 2005. At least uh, by then I was watching it. I loved the part two dub on Adult Swim. I would put in a VHS tape at night and tape it. And then when I woke up for school, I would watch it in the morning when I was like 13 years old. And around then I saw Cagliostro and Mamo and the live action movie, the old live action movie, Strange Psychokinetic Strategy, and I think Dead or Alive. And I did buy a volume of the Tokyo Pop manga when I was a teenager. And then I read it and I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> this is a little too dark. I knew my limits. At the time, I was like, wow, this is not, you know, Tony Oliver making jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about <laughs> translation. There are certainly those kind of liberties taken. With the yeah, script. which I had no idea about. I mean, the, the, the source material was dark enough and they added a lot more, uh, we'll say, dark things to it. And it just kind of made me uncomfortable. And then like around 2010 to 2013, I cosplayed Lupin a few times, watched the Conan TV special. And then during quarantine, I just got upset. I just got way back into it because there was so much I hadn't seen. It was something from when I was a kid that I could appreciate even more as an adult. Um, and I got kind of a little bit intense <laughs> about watching a bunch of it. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's always nice to revisit something that you had fond memories of, like growing up and then just fall back all over in love yes. again as an adult. But yeah, like, I guess we'll move on to doctor or foxy whoever wants to start your experiences with lupon um i feel like most of my experiences are somewhat tied uh to i guess the origin point of our podcast and foxy and our anime club we used to run so a lot of my experiences came through that but i did have as far as early experiences seen part two on television so you know i did see that old dub i would say it's one of those shows when i watched it i was like this looks different it, it took me a while to realize oh it's just old <laughs> 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 so i did i actually for, uh, at least relating to the manga specifically i actually had very little experience with the manga i only had maybe read a chapter or two at most but i just never got around to it so uh you know this greatest hits thing is sort of a really nice more of little i guess a uh, sampler plate if you will of the manga which we'll get more in discussion later but as far as more experiences with a franchise it's a lot of it is through specials through movies through tie-ins i have a detective conan podcast so obviously i watch those specials and yeah it's a lot of it is through either uh, whatever came out whatever whoever brought in a special or a movie or whatever that's usually how i watch it i think a lot more scattershot throughout the animes at least different all the different series so it's always like sam like 
parts of part two, parts of part one, parts of part three, most of part four. Uh, I still need to get through part five. Yeah, so that's kind of most of my experiences. So I'm a lot more of the casual fan, if you want to call it, of Lupin. So I, I, I enjoy the I enjoy the franchise. I really enjoy these characters. Um, and that's most of more where where my history is with it. I think casual fan is an interesting way to put it, considering you spent <laughs> multiple hours talking about it. <laughs> it took a year and a half for you to do that changing jacket series and yeah multiple hour long podcasts i say casual in the sense of like i'm not usually dedicating a lot of my time talking about it <laughs> that's a podcast on it yeah yeah we don't run the lupin encyclopedia so i feel like i'm casual <laughs> compared to that um my i don't know shannon's story made me feel old I feel old. I'm in my 30s. I'm like, when I was 12. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Our our story starts basically the same year, and that was my freshman year in college. So so in about 2003-ish, I went to Megacon. I should not have done this because I didn't know any of those people, and I, like, showed up when they were going to drive there, and I hopped in a car, and they were like, this is weird. Um, And I, I ended up rooming with some older guys and one of the two series they put me onto was Lupin the Third. We had an anime store pretty close to where I was living at the time. So I went in and I got part one. And despite the fact that it was a Hong Kong sub, I somehow still enjoyed it and sort of been hooked since then. I realized that I have four out of five of the Tokyo Pop release of the manga, even though I do not remember ever reading it in my life. <laughs> but I know I have because some of the some of the stories in this collection are familiar to me, and not just because they were in part one. Aside from that, much like Doc, I've hopped around a lot through part two and part three. I can't say that I sat down and watched the whole thing. I watched it a lot on Cartoon Network. I used to go on the Adult Swim boards for some strange reason. Oh, I remember those. Just feel <laughs> severe depression as I was the only person <laughs> alive, apparently, who enjoyed having Lupin the Third in the lineup at all. Uh... Ten years too early. Yeah. The mid-early tens boards, much bigger fans of Lupin. Mm. They were like, why are there jokes about Shaquille O'Neal if this show is from the (laughs) 70s? This is like, how do you not understand? Like, this is the same network that shows Shin-chan. How do you not get that it's an old show, but they dubbed it today? So they're making jokes about things that happen. You know what? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot of that. Then I eventually transferred schools. And I think I dragged as many people as possible into my loop on the third fandom because for some strange reason, it was either me or Doc who was picking the shows that we were watching. Yeah. And, you know, I should never have that level of authority or power. <laughs> so a lot of what we watched was what I was into. Fujiko Mine show, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life. Oh, it's the best. Mm, yeah. It's so good. Again, unfortunately, watching it at the same time that people were able to tweet about it online was one of the worst things in my life. Um, Part four, I was okay on. Part five, I loved. Part six, I'm trying to watch. Let's put it like that. Yeah, that's pretty much my experience. Uh, Excellent. I actually want to get into mine really quickly because it does kind of tie in with Foxy a little bit. Because I think um, I was trying to look it up while we were talking uh, to try to confirm. But um, I remember around like 
2014, like somewhere around there. I don't know if I asked Foxy in particular or if I just like tweeted out and like Foxy just happened to see it. But um, I remember in 2014 being like, okay, I'm finally going to get onto Lupin. And I remember putting it out there like, hey, where should I start or whatever? Because I, I thought there was a starting point for Lupin because I thought Lupin had a cannon, silly me. <laughs> and i want to say foxy recommended first contact i mean that that's how it had to have happened because i i vividly remember buying first contact the first chance i could on dvd and that was like the first actual lupon thing i ever like watched in full and for those who don't know about first contact it is kind of an origin story but by the end it's like oh is it is this actually an origin story you'll never know I mean, but if if you wanted a starting, I mean, we'll probably talk about this a lot later, but if you wanted a starting point, like it's an okay one, like I I like the special just fine. I had a lot of fun with it, but, um, you know, from there I would get into the part one anime, which I eventually watched all of and I enjoyed. I even did my own, like the the, the only thing I ever wrote on my actual blog where I host all my (laughs) podcast is a top 10 episodes of a, of that anime in particular. I write very little. So it's like one of the things I'm like the most proud of. We might link it in the show notes if anyone's curious. But um, yeah, from there, I'm trying to watch part two slowly, but surely like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, if I'm in the mood, I'll put it on. But I haven't been like actively been wanting to binge it or whatever. So I'm I'm slowly kind of making my way through a lot of the TV anime. But basically, I've kind of jumped around too. like I've seen a little bit of part two. I've seen like maybe half a part four when that was like first on Crunchyroll. And obviously, basically anything else I've watched, Doc and Foxy had me watch for the Ask Backwards Anime podcast. And again, we'll leave links in the show notes for those podcasts in particular. And that's basically what I've watched. Um, I really had no familiarity with the manga at all. I knew that it was licensed by Tokyo Pop at one point, And by the time I had any interest in it, it was definitely out of print and I couldn't find it for a reasonable price. So I just never really checked it out. But um, checking out this new like best of collection, you know, that Seven Seas put out, I thought it was a good like sampling of the Lupin manga in particular. I think they really put in a lot of work to try to make sure to like pick at least like some of the best stories. I think it's a good showing for the manga. It also, I think, I'm assuming it kind of like strays away for the most part from all the like sort of dark rapey stuff that I think unfortunately the manga has yeah. some of that I've I've been hearing about for years. But yeah, this was my first time reading the manga and I, I thought it was a really fun time. Lum, we can get into your origin story if you want. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm in an interesting spot, it feels or seems like compared to your guys' history, because I definitely got into it like a decade later, or not quite a decade later than uh, Shannon and Dr. Foxy. But I did first get into it through the part two dub. And the way that I ended up watching it is that there, and I think it's still around, but there's this Tanami 24-7 like fan site that does like a live stream of like classic Tanami Adult Swim shows. And Lupin was one of the shows that they had on there and it was there right next to Ranma just as it was getting into Ranma. So I basically watched Lupin part two like through there, like it got into it through there. I remember the first episode I watched was Disorient Express. And then I remember the the one with like the King Tut mask after that. That one scared me when I was a kid. I know, it's freaky. It just gets totally possessed. But yeah, like I really got into the show because it was very funny. I liked the performances. And yeah, I got super into part two. Eventually I would end up watching the entirety of the dubbed episodes of part two. And to this day, I have not watched all of part two, but I have watched like the first hundred-ish episodes of part two, but I have seen the dubbed episodes of part two. I've watched through that stretch of the series at least 
three times. And that's kind of probably my favorite stretch of Lupin. And then eventually I do want to finish part two. But I also ended up watching part one, uh, Selectives of the Parts three, all of four and five, and now currently six. Woodman called Fujiko Mine. I managed to get around to them all. Uh, I remember I've been very excited for Fujiko Mine when it comes because it was my first new Lupin anime. And like... 30 years and like I was so excited for it because I just got into Lupin just recently and it was a cool experience to like watch it and similarly I remember being so excited for like oh the first proper new Lupin part with part four and when that came out and before it even came out in Japan it came out in Italy I remember like watching the Italian dubbed version (laughs) with English subtitles because I couldn't wait for the Japanese version and honestly the Italian dub you know, pretty good. Clearly, they big Lupin fans over there. It was the first big place outside Japan where it really hit. So, had a lot of fun experience watching anime over years. And of course, I had watched a bunch of the films. Uh, Kagilostro and Mamo, and then all sorts of the other TV specials and whatnot over the years. And honestly, even before... I guess I got into Lupin, my awareness of it probably did stem from the Funimation channel block on Colors TV, airing those movies and seeing the promos for those movies. I don't remember if I ever watched the Funny Dub Lupin movies on the Funimation channel, but I definitely watched those films later on when I did get into Lupin properly, like uh, Dead or Alive and whatnot. And yeah, but in regards, so like, I am a big fan of the anime, but in regards to the manga, it seems like I had the most experience with the manga of everyone here because I did read the entirety of the original Lupin manga as published by Tokyopop and most of the Shin Lupin volumes, which they had licensed and translated as World's Most Wanted when I was first getting to Lupin in high school. And I managed to get into Lupin at just the right time that my library still had those volumes in stock. So I could very easily go to the library and request these volumes and then read them. And I have very vivid memories of reading. <laughs> like, wh- I remember where and when I read certain volumes because I remember reading the series a lot of the time when I was going to chess tournaments. So I remember during my breaks between matches, like just taking a book with me and reading chapters in between matches or in the bathroom because I would get terrible anxiety stomach aches mm. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> reading chapters in the bathroom like I rem- one of my favorite storylines the Lupin manga the one where Lupin just goes to college <laughs> <laughs> like I remember reading that those chapters while I was in the bathroom. I was like, "This is so busy. He just he just gets, forgets about being a deep for chapters and just goes to jail." I, just, I like that a lot, and yeah, and. I also managed to collect the entirety of the original Lupin manga from Tokyopop. And I have most of what Tokyopop has published of World's Most Wanted. The only volumes I'm missing of Lupin that they published are 2 and 3 and 9 of World's Most Wanted. And I hope to give the entire series a good reread before coming on, but I didn't manage to do that. But I did compare the chapters of the Tokyo Pop release to the chapters in the new Greatest Hits collection. And the Tokyo Pop release is better. <laughs> I will say, if you're expecting me to say that I hate the Tokyo Pop release outright, I actually will say there are pros and cons to these different versions. Okay. I will say that wanting the Tokyo Pop translation, I think, does 
do well is that there is a little bit more punch to the translations. I don't mean like spicing up the script. I mean like they will translate pieces of dialogue in a more compact way that kind of reads more nicely and less awkwardly than some of the dialogue in the new release. But I will also say, of course, that Tokyo Pop did take a lot of liberties uh, with their script, with their translations. And so there are often times where they translate something completely wrong, even, and they get a detail wrong. <laughs> they will say- also, like, forego characters' dialogue and write in their own jokes. So, and sometimes there are boons that were misattributed to one character in the original, and it's, like, made... It's dialogue given to a completely different character in the Tokyo Pop release. Mm. But overall, I will say that there are like some jokes they added and there are there is a flow. There is a tone to the Tokyo Pop release that I do appreciate in certain parts. So it was interesting comparing the chapters going back and forth because I found myself, well, here the Seven Seas translation is much more faithful and is much better. But then there's time, oh, but this Tokyo Pop version actually flows nicer and I like it. And so I would liken it to akin uh, the part two dub in terms of like, well, it takes a lot of liberties, but it has the spirit of the show. It has the spirit of the series. And I enjoy the tone and feel of it. So I can't hate it outright but i will say that yes in terms of faithfulness uh, and quality i would say the translation of this new greatest heights collection is better i will say generally also the art quality i guess just to go into more comparisons the art quality of the new release is generally better as well because in the original tokyo pop release you have a lot of crushed blacks so you have a lot of detail that's lost in particular dark and inky looking sections of the manga that you can see much more clearly and see more detail in in the new release. However, when it comes to chapters that were originally published in color, in the original Tokyo Pop release, the material they were working off of, those chapters were grayscaled. And so the grayscaling comes up pretty well. But with the new release, those chapters are originally in color. They've just been reformatted to black and white. And so when that happened, there are actually details lost from the original art. Subtle details, but there were details lost in terms of gradients and screen tones. Thin lines. It looks pretty rough to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There are a lot of lines, line work that becomes a lot lighter and rougher. And there's like pieces of line work missing. And in the old Tokyo Pop, at least because of the material they were working off of, those, you can see like that stuff more clearly. And so that was a very interesting thing to notice when I was comparing the two. And I guess my final note is that generally the new Seven Seas release does translate all the sound effects, whereas the old Tokyo Park release would have subtitle translations of the sound effects didn't completely re-letter them. Except for one interesting instance in the Lupin the Brat story, where in the Seven Seas release, they didn't re-letter the sound effects of the splash when Fujiko throws like a bucket of water on Lupin the Brat. But in the Tokyo Pop release, this is the one instance where they did re-letter that. <laughs> And they went through the work of doing the actual retouch of, like, the splash behind the sound effect in that panel, too. And it's so interesting that the this one instance that Seven Seas didn't re-letter the sound effect, Tokyo Pop actually did. And I just found that very interesting. But yeah, it was really nice. Because I did, I was a fan of the Lupin manga when I read it. Obviously, I wasn't a fan of, like, the darker stuff, the really gross stuff 
in terms of sexual assault and rape in the early material. But I did feel as the series went on, Monkey Punch kind of loosened on that stuff. And the tone of the series became much lighter, much goofier. The characters became more established and friendly. So by the time you get to the later end of the manga, of the original manga, and once you get into the Shin Lupin stuff, your get stories that feel more in tone, more like goofy in tone, and more similar to, I would say, Part 2, especially Shin Lupin, which was published and ran around the same time as Part 2, that feels more in tone with that sensibility and the characterizations of the characters that you know, had developed by that point through the anime versions. So yeah, I, I appreciated that in choosing the stories for the collection, the editor at Futabasha, Ryoji Indo, clearly wanted to showcase stories that feature these characters at their best and have a Goemon spotlight chapter, have a Jigen spotlight chapter, Fujiko spotlight chapter, and have chapters that showcase a lot of cool secondary characters from the series, like Loop on the Brat, like Melancop, a personal favorite of mine. And yeah, so I think that they're very good choices made and I do think it stands out like the early chapters compared to those later chapters in tone when you have like chapters that are from the first volume like the very first chapter series the second chapter in this collection and of course we have the Paikel chapter or the Paikaru chapter which they've translated his name as uh Baiju which is the name of the alcohol which is the pun in Paikel's name okay. is that his name as Paikaru is a one way to read Baiju TMS has Roman kind of romanized and lost a joke by calling him Pico, but the oh, Tokyo okay. Pop translation actually used Pikeru, which I think worked better. I would have preferred over Baiju, but you know, it works. It's just a weird choice when he's been known as Paikel or Paikaru for like a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? I had to stop and Google, like, what is this word? And, and I didn't, I figured it was like a different kanji reading or something. Yeah. Another, so that's one instance I think Dogebop scored a handle that better. Because like, yeah, I mean, Paikel is an established character who has like been in multiple iterations. He's one of like two villains that comes back. Like, there aren't that many. Him and Kyosuke Mano and Mr. X. Mm-hmm. The two mamos, Mr. X and Pike Alice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess going off from that, I, I just want to get everyone's general sense of like what they appreciate or like what they found interesting about the Greatest Hits collection, just in broad strokes before we dive into like specific stories that we really appreciate in particular or we really found interesting in particular. Um, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll probably just say that I think my, one of my favorite thing about the manga is realizing just how Looney Tunes Lupin really is. And I think yeah. that's <laughs> sort of like a, um, such a great, I wouldn't say refreshing is the right, I don't know if refreshing is the right <laughs> word for it. Especially if you see a lot of modern Lupin, you kind of don't really get a sense of like what this dude is and he's just bombastic and crazy and just the entire first chapter from this is just like, a, oh, it's me. No, it's me. No, it's me. No, it's <laughs> yeah. me kind of thing. It's just to the point I'm like, oh my God. I was so happy they started the collection off of that because that is one of the stories that I remember most, even not having read the manga in years, that first chapter of Shin Lupin, where it's like, you know, five years. And it's a great way because, like, there was a big gap between the original series publication and the Shin Lupin publication. So you know, that was a great way to have the characters, like, you know, be reintroduced. But yeah, the twist of, like, oh, everyone came to the island. This guy's one another was so That funny. really caught me off guard. I, was, I wasn't expecting that, actually. I thought the, I thought that was a good first chapter. Isn't the chapter after that, like, the actual first chapter of the manga? Or at the very least, it's... Yes. 
None of the chapters in this collection are like in chronological order. They bounce around Obviously, a lot. Obviously, yes. <laughs> you know, I think Endo was trying to take more of like a kind of a set list, like a kind of a thematic flow to the stories rather than, you know, going by chronology. But yeah, the actual first chapter is the one after that. Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, obviously, this being kind of my first foray into the manga, you know, especially since like, some of these chapters are definitely episodes from like the part one anime that I recognize or whatever, like, you know, Paikal's story is in there and Goemon's sort of first story is in there as well. The racing story also was adapted into the first episode, Lupin Burning. They add a bunch of stuff to that in the anime, but like clearly that was built off of uh, that original story. And then the Stone Man chapter, which is one of my favorites, was adapted into an episode of part two. That's one of my favorite episodes, and it was weird catch. I think the episode is better. It's a little funnier. Uh, yeah. And I flesh it out pretty well. It was almost like a fun like Easter egg thing for me, or a little bit distracting. Or like I've seen the Lupin family lineup special, which is like based off the first chapter. It was like, oh, what? Stuff that I did not know was from the manga since I've read so little of it. I was like, oh, that's this. That's that. That's cool. I remember. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I, I was going to say about the Pike Call chapter in particular, I think some of these I do like the anime episodes better for because like, I don't know what it is, but like, I mean, I mean, I, I like the manga. I thought this was a really good read, but I'm just not used to like Monkey Punch's sensibilities, I guess, like because the art in places and it also doesn't help that. I mean, you know, they can't help it. But like a lot of the chapters are not really in chronological order. See, I kind of have to get my brain used to like, oh, this is his newer art style. Okay, now this is his older art style. So that's kind of more on me. But like, Especially with the Paikal chapter, the Paikal story, I I really felt like the, you know, the story was all there, but like, it just feels so like loose and chaotic all the time from a story perspective and also like the art too. Like, there's a lot of really good like cartooning in here, but like, you know, just kind of going from Monkey Punch's different eras, I guess, kind of made it a little like, it felt kind of jarring to me, I guess, kind of going from one story to another. But the Paikal story in particular, I just kind of thought like, man, I feel like the art is a little all over the place, even though uh, there are a lot of good poses. Like, I, I really like the bit where like Lupata and Jigen are kind of running away. I thought a lot of those drawings were pretty funny. I think the art in the racing chapter was kind of the most confusing for me because like, it's just, I feel like so much is happening. And like, it also doesn't help that that chapter was clearly published in color and now it's all in black and white, and it looks kind of muddy. So it was really hard for me to tell, like, what was going on in that chapter, even though I had seen the anime episode already. I don't know, that, that might be just me. Yeah, I would agree that, especially with the early series, a lot of Monkey Punch's sense of action can be hard to follow. And also his plotting can be all over the place yes. early on. And that's sort of... That definitely improves as the story goes on and when you get into Shin Lupin stuff. I will say, though, with that Pico chapter that I absolutely love the opening four pages. Oh, my God. That are yes. so cinematic yes. of, like, Lupin driving on the street and we're, like, seeing, you know, close-up zoom-in of his car moving as we see Pico's plane, like, coming in behind him. And then, like, him, like, jumping off on him and onto the car. Like, those four pages are just fantastic. And so you can see definitely Monkey Punch taking inspirations from film and, like, trying to play with that in his comic and sometimes it works out really well like that and another thing i guess i appreciate about monkey punches sensibly aesthetically is that he is so inspired by western comics mad magazine and sergio aragone and of course western media like the original maurice leblanc lupin novels and of course james bond is a huge part of it and so the tone of it and then the the style of cartooning compared to other classic manga time it does stand 
out a lot, both in terms of like how he lays out pages and also in terms of like his aesthetic, his character designs. And I like the looseness of them. I like how goofy they can get, especially once his style refines more in the later volumes. Like that's when you get the really Looney Tunesy stuff and the goofy expression stuff that I really love. Like in the final chapters that close out this volume, the one with the, the cave that ends up leading into the bank wall. Like those just have some great expressions, especially the poses of Lupin and Jigen running in the final panel are just so great. I think the one where he's like, there's a boulder that's about to yeah, his little round head. The boulder stuff really got to me, especially when like it turns out to be like pumice or whatever, and the boulder is just like stuck to him. That that got a really good <laughs> laugh out of me. Um, I just love how like wide eyed and bug eyed he is the entire chapter. That just always yeah. makes me laugh. It's very Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Absolutely, I would characterize Lupin as a Daffy Duckish character. Yeah, oftentimes, and sometimes oh, yeah, he yeah, plays yeah. the Bugs Bunny role when he's outwitting like a Turner angry sort, like out Zenigata. But uh, in this chapter, definitely he feels like a Daffy Duck because he's like kind of a put upon person who's like trying to get what he wants, but he's getting like foiled and beaten at every turn. And I like that characterization. I definitely ha- have always had a problem because I've tried to get into the manga a few times as an adult as well especially recently. And the early art, like Elle was saying, is so muddy. Zenigata and Lupin look almost exactly alike. It's like bad character design to start. It's just bad. It's muddy. Like there's a lot of cool line work. When I draw, I like to use really heavy inking and I appreciate that in his work. But reading the later chapters, like I'm assuming Lupin's lullaby is from Shin Lupin. I've never read it, but it seems to have that same art style and and the treasure one. I like it so much better because the tone is he's not trying to be cool and there's less rape and it's funnier and I can see what's <laughs> happening. So I need to and I like Melancop too. Yeah, I love Melancop. Uh, I've seen him in a lot of fan art and stuff. I don't know why they've never adapted him to the anime. Shout out to Melancop fans um, who are sad. I really like Melancop as a foil to both Lupin and Zenigata because Melancop is like a crueler person. He's more absolutist in like bringing criminals to justice, whereas Zenigata is like more like has a single-minded session with Lupin. Melancop is kind of the more rational counterpart to Zenigata in terms of like understanding and outwitting Lupin. But yeah, I like how he plays off both Zenigata and Lupin's characters. So he's like a fun addition. I wish there was more of him. Yeah. Yeah. They made one reference to him in part two. In the episode, they have a character called Inspector Mellon, who is like well, a she's woman Gettymar and she's Gally Mars' yeah. grandmother. But like the design and her handcuff Troy technique is clearly inspired by Mellon Cop. So that's the only real reference. Oh, but Zenigata has had a lot of assistance over the years. And I guess sometimes there are like elements of Melancop's personality that seeps into though. But I would like the original Melancop, his melon-shaped head, his big forehead. He does magic tricks, right? Doesn't he do like sleight of hand tricks? He's great. Yeah. No, he's very much like Lupin because he's also a master of tricks and disguises, which is why he's a great foil for him. Like He could see through Lupin's trick with like going to the prison cell and like completely remaking it and putting in all of these accessories in it over so many times so he could identify, okay, so Lupin is here. And then he's, he gets it wrong at first, but he's like, and he's like, oh, okay, he, was, he wasn't in the wall. He was in the floor. And it's like, yeah, like he's witty and resourceful. I like him a lot. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that chapter is good too. Um, also, when I first read that and I, you know, I first saw Melancop, my first thought was, who are you? I've never seen you before in my <laughs> entire life. 
Yeah, I wish they did include his introduction story, which is in the second volume of the Masterpiece Collection. So if okay. Seven Seas does license that, it'll be there. Oh, I hope they do. Yeah, I, that is a good introduction to character. And also establishes how different in characterization Lupin is in Shin Lupin. Because the grudge Lupin has with Melancop is because Melancop is like such an absolutist. Like he would go so far as to kill a child in the middle of confession just because he committed a crime. And so Lupin has a grudge against him because he is a cruel person. And so it shows that Lupin in like the Shin Lupin series is more of that kind of heroic rogue archetype that we kind of come to expect from him from the anime and like especially you know from part two onwards. I just want to give uh, Foxy a chance real quick to talk here. Were there any particular stories you wanted to shout out or anything that kind of stood out to you about the manga in particular? Oh, for sure. Um, One of my issues with originally reading the manga, and I think it's one of the reasons why I never made it through my five volumes, was how difficult it was to pick out who was Fujiko. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and then I found out recently that every woman was Fujiko until she eventually became a singular character. So that and the rape, because I was like... 18 or 19 so it just became like do you really want people to know that one of the series that you enjoy the most just has like a ton of rape for like no good plot reason not that there are great ones but like it doesn't even try it's not justified at all yeah in some way no yeah i mean early lupon as a character is not a nice guy. He's no. not a good person. <laughs> no. it's, he it's, gets angry all the time. <laughs> he gets angry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a groovy guy. You can tell that the, the anime really forced like a, not a whitewashing of him necessarily, but like the character had to change. Yeah. Tone him down. Yeah. Especially when Miyazaki and Takahata came in and rewrote him. Yeah. So um, I knew nothing about Lupin the Brat at all. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> Yeah, he has his own spin-off manga that took place before uh, Shin Lupin, but then he Monkey Punch incorporated into Shin Lupin. So that chapter really amused me, um, especially considering <laughs> I can't remember the the name of the episode. I think it's a I'm pretty sure it's a part one episode where they have to outsmart that locksmith's kid. It was part two. Oh, okay. Oh my god, that's an amazing. Lupin is such a monster, and that one is one of my favorites. The bald kid who traps him in the steam. Yes, so part two. And the, the two of them pretty much like look at each other, and they both have this understanding that like I would never have a child. So in light of that, that chapter is really funny to me, um, especially the way that Fujiko outwits him at the end. It's just, it's just like if this is your mother, would you not recognize her in some way? But yeah, um, that was pretty much it for me. I liked the Goemon introduction chapter, even though I've seen it before. Um, just for the the letter that Lupin gives Fujiko, it's like I know your secret, so don't send mine. And then she goes and she's like, "What's my secret?" And he's like, "Your secret is you're gonna fuck me right now." And she's like, "No." <laughs> My, my favorite part of that chapter is that I'm pretty sure, or maybe I'm maybe I'm confusing them. The end them. of chapter is amazing. Doesn't he get his dick burnt? I'm pretty sure that's what happens, right? Oh, that's a well, that's different chapter. Like the doctor missed the spot when he was spraying on the impenetrable spray. But the, yeah, the end of the Goemon chapter is great. When like they both burn each other, <laughs> and Jigen encounters their carved, their charred bodies, and he takes Goemon instead of Lupons, and he's like, "You idiot." 
I'm Lupin, and then his head splits open. <laughs> like, it shows, uh, I love monkey punches, like, no commitment to Sensei Kanji. And so, like, he can have, like, the characters, like, not only break the fort well, but also, like, he can have them die in the chapter, which I get seriously hurt. And then, like, they can be fine next week, and I like that. Yeah, like, their, their charred bodies are, like, weirdly, like, realistic, but still kind of cartoony. I'm not really sure how he does it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it lends with the with his character design and everything else. So you kind of every everyone's so lanky and everything else. So it's sort of like yeah, yeah, they can they can take a beating. Mm-hmm, no, for yeah. sure. Kind of going back to the racing chapter for a second because uh, we were talking about sort of the establishing shots of like you know the plane landing and everything in the Pycall chapter. I really love the establishing shots of like the racetrack and everything and like Zenigata just kind of like standing by until like he comes across Lupin and he tries to catch him and then Zenigata's literally like, "Man, Monkey Punch was really hate me. Like I'm the star of the show, clearly." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, look, he's not wrong. Like there's no there's no Lupin without Zenigata, arguably the best character in the show. Um that's not an argument I'd make, but sure. I say arguably because Jigen exists, and he's my favorite personally, so. Wow. <laughs> just wrong twice. All right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh man. I mean I, I like I like Fujiko, but I don't I don't mm-hmm. like I don't like Fujiko mm-hmm. as much you as Foxy. Save it. You can't you can't save this off anymore. It's too late. Like oh. you, you guessed wrong twice. Oh no. Why don't I get a third strike? It's one of those grand breakup no. stories. <laughs> Sorry, Colt, you're not alone well on our show anymore. All right, I'll oh, I'll, no. I'll pack up my things. Just out of the gang. <laughs> one of those stories where like Jigen are going on Lee's game. We've got to have a big redemption arc and follow up to get them back to friends again. We'll meet back up again in five years. We'll all be disguised as each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that one's so, like that story. If you've never read Lupin on page, I think it's page eight. He's got little puppets of him and Fujiko having sex. Yeah. I'm like, there it is. <laughs> this is if, you've yeah. never, if you've never been exposed to this, it's very in your face immediately what you're reading. I just like that it keeps going until it gets destroyed. It's just like. They're just having a conversation. Stop it. He's doing that. It's like, dude, stop. Like, come on. (laughs) Come on, stop it, dude. Like, this is awful. I will say, like, knowing that Jigam is going on, he has good sword skills to, like, destroy not just the puppet, but also the chair Lupin is sitting on. Was he training just for that moment? Yeah, no, seriously. He learned sword, he really learned sword play to commit to the bit of being Goemon. I guess you could say the same for Fujiko as Jigen. (laughs) Here's a question. Uh, Do we have a least favorite story? I think the first chapter is easily my least favorite. Obviously, it has the most problematic stuff of like the rape scene. You mean the second chapter in the collection? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The second chapter collection of the first chapter of actual Lupin. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the big twist of, like, Lupin was, like, the comedian guy. So this falls on because, like, you realize, again, Monkey Punch has a lot of similar looking characters. It's like, oh, yeah, we did see this guy before. And Zenigata did (laughs) say, oh, joke, like, oh, you're Lupin. And he freaked out. But, like, you know, that's not enough. Like, I thought, having been a long time since I'd read that first chapter, I thought there just was, oh, Lupin was in Zenigata this whole time. And he was trying to figure out, like, who was impersonating him and trying to clear his name. And then it's like, no, he was, like, the comedian guy. It's like, oh. Okay, but it wasn't quite as big a twist or like as good a cruel moment. I guess I do appreciate the end of it where it's like he had this big scheme of like, well, 
he got the film after all because like he drew it in a pigeon capture and he got captured by that utter inspector and he's gonna get out anyway but like overall like the big mystery of it we you know we're not spending that much time with Lupin we have some time in Setigata but then otherwise it's like we have like the guy who owns the mansion and his daughters and then of course we have all the awful sexual assault scenes with the spy guy yeah yeah and then then she likes it after that mm-hmm. so yeah. weird yeah it was a lot of like dubious consent stuff in Lupin that it was like getting raped into liking it oh, yeah Pycal yeah. does it too right and the guy who wants the film back during the racing chapter or something doesn't he like tackle food there's just like a lot of weird and all yeah. of the early chapters he beats up Fujiko but I don't think he is he sexually assaults her if I recall but yeah like it's yeah there's a lot of icky stuff in the early lines in regards to sexual assault and then like you know implications of like what good situation slips are so yeah it uh, it also doesn't it, it's also weirder because it's i mean weirder but it's like obviously the act is happening on page but even when they have to edit out the man in the in the scene it doesn't make it better no it's just yeah. weird i thought monkey punch did that so it's like oh well you don't want to see a man in here when a beautiful woman's on panel just look at the beautiful woman that's that's kind of what i thought he was going for but yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I, I just thought it was a weird choice to avoid getting censored. Yeah, maybe. I think so, too. If he actually showed, like, penetrative sex happening, I don't think that could have been published. So that was his way of getting around it while still having a sex scene depicted. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't quite... It's not something... I could do without it. Yeah, that one's, I think that one's probably my least favorite too. Um, There is stuff I like about it though. Um, I think that chapter weirdly had some of the best lettering, uh, especially when like Zenigata comes in and invades the party and you have a lot of like really good, like big, bold uh, lettering from him in particular. I think a lot of the lettering in this collection is done really, really well. Yeah. Like, like it, it feels like a part of the series. It doesn't feel like it doesn't belong, which I think is the sign of good lettering. Yeah, and I think the font choice is pretty good, too. Interestingly, there's a difference in the font, it looks like, between the original Tokyopop release of the first series and then the Shin Lupin series. I kind of like the font used for Shin Lupin more by Tokyopop. But yeah, I think that overall, in terms of fitting the art, the choices that Seven Seas made are very strong. I will say also with that first chapter, that was, you know, one of those cases where the chapter was originally published with color and how all these gradients when grayscale still preserve details of the art, but that is like lost in how the chapter has now been rendered in black and white in this version. So like the final panel especially of the car driving way like there's kind of like smoke clouds that are completely lost in the new version and of course like there's you know a gradient to the sky that characterizes it as like oh, wow. evening that's lost oh wow so yeah there, there's a lot of like art details like lost in those color chapters in this release I didn't even notice that. Uh, I, I think this one has another really good, like, fourth wall break where basically Zenigata is, like, reading Lupin's message. And then he's just like, oh, this this is kind of like a shonen manga. As he kind of, like, pulls back the panel and you see, like, a caricature of, of Monkey Punch. I thought that was a pretty funny moment. You know, after reading um, Doro on the show and kind of getting to more of Tezuka's works, you know, maybe it might bother some people and I totally understand why, because it's kind of jarring. It comes out of nowhere. But I I really appreciate how older manga were way more like cartoony in their nature as far as like, they're just kind of fine with breaking the fourth wall, whatever. Like, it doesn't really matter when you do it or whether it breaks up like the dramatic tension or not. Like, as long as you get at least one fourth wall break in there, it's fine. Yeah, definitely a reflection of how inspired they were by Western media and Western cartoons in particular. 
like theatrical shorts and early Disney films and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I, even though it's never really explicitly been cited, well, I mean, obviously the Mad Magazine stuff, clearly Monkey Punch's sensibilities in terms of humor are very much inspired by that. And yeah, Sergio Argonne stuff, like Rue the Wonder. So yeah. I think also in terms of the art, I think a story that stood out to me was uh, was the story with uh, Jigen and Stonehead. Because, yeah. I mean, look, they don't call that story Spaghetti Jigen for nothing. Like, it, feel, it feels like a <laughs> Western. And, like, I think that was the first chapter in this collection where, like, you really feel like Monkey Punch was able to let his art kind of, like, kind of give it some space to kind of like really kind of give you some sort of like sense of scale for this like epic duel that's about to take place. I don't know, just just something about that uh really kind of pulled me in personally. Not not just because I like Jigen. <laughs> but no, like the shot of like the ruins of that Colosseum is like super detailed as well. Like the opening shot of like Jigen sitting under like the ruins of like the wall with like the bell on top of it so good and like yeah the shot of like lupon just coming in riding his like jeep and we see like the room because in the background is like so cool so dynamic in perspective of, like how he drew the guard and like the yeah it's just a really striking visual it's very different yeah the in general like the action and in, in that chapter results are pretty fun to follow i thought and the central conceit of him breaking apart jeans gun and leading him on a trail to the gates where the treasure was. It's just a really fun story. I just love that Lupin just rides in a Jeep and is like, hey, I stole the president's gold. We got to get out of here. Like, it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have time for you to do this duel. We got to go and the treasure awaits. <laughs> they sent a missile after us. It's really different <laughs> from the early chapters where there's like 30 panels on a page. Yep. Yeah. It does have a, a lot uh, more space for the art. And that episode, uh, fun trivia, it was the first anime episode broadcast in stereo. Oh, wow. And it also adds the incredible plot element of Jigen missed his first duel with that guy because his car broke down. (laughs) And the guys hated him for years. It's so good. It's episode 99 of part two. It's like whenever I recommend episodes, it's usually in my like top 10. And there's who's the lady who's like, I will kill myself for Jigen. I'm like, who is this? I don't know. <laughs> the world is like know. another lady. I've I've seen her in fan art and stuff. She's like, I will die for him. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing? She's not in the episode. I mean, look, I I die for him. He's 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 pretty cool. We know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jigen's the best, but it's like, who <laughs> is this lady? <laughs> I don't remember if she showed up in other chapters. <laughs> I'd have to read. This is a it's a Shin Lupin story. So Foxy also brought up the uh, the Lupin the Brat chapter, which I thought was interesting because like yeah, it, it really kind of made me want to read that series. I guess because like I really want to know like what this character is all about, and like I, I feel like. Maybe it's a one-off story, I don't know, but, like, it kind of felt like it was part of a bigger story, and I felt like I was kind of, like, missing out on some de- I don't know. Well, there was a Lupin the Brat series before Shin Lupin yeah, yeah. that Monkey Punch did in between the original Lupin and then Shin Lupin, and then he brought in that character to Shin Lupin. And, like, he's, you know, self-claims that he is, you yeah. know, the child of Lupin and Fujiko. But, like, I don't think it's ever explicitly confirmed one way or another. And I think pretty much it's not. It's clear it's not. And he's just deluded. I don't know if it's whether it was a mistranslation or what. But it seemed as though Monkey Punch confirmed it before he died. Oh. Um, but it's never confirmed in the manga. 
Mm, okay. I just love that Fujiko has the chance to make these really, like, cartoony facial expressions all throughout, like, oh, this kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that, too. It's better than her just making the same weird 60s sexy face the whole time. <laughs> um, I like Fujiko's lie, and it reminded me a lot of that. Although Fujiko's life for me was much more uncomfortable with like yeah. being naked in the bathtub. Like in this. Yeah, that was weird. He's like, I'm not going to get an erection. I got you. But it's more as a joke. Whereas in yeah. Fujiko's lie, it's kind of like uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, this this feels a lot more playful. Yeah, because Fujiko was playing with that kid and Fujiko's lie's emotions more. So that kind of Yeah, it's, it's the... uncomfortable. Yeah. In this, it was more cartoon. It was fine in this. It, there was nothing serious or like sexy about it. Where Koike is like, let me take this and make it weird. I mean, the other element of Fujiko's lie that, that overlaps with this is like she clearly still hates children. Um, <laughs> yeah, relatable. Which is one of like my favorite of her characteristics. Like, no matter how nice she is to a child, as soon as the door closes between her and that kid, it's always like, if I could just drop a brick on their head right now, I would do it. <laughs> Oh man, God! The, I also just like the loop on the press, like a uh, scheme in that one where he just built all these snowmen around. <laughs> it's creepy. They have like chains inside them that shoot out at her. It's little demons. Stuff. Yeah, no. I mean, but like, yeah. honestly, a child that was theirs would have a lot wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Theoretically, yes. killer. yeah. Mm. <laughs> He probably would abandon it for like 15 years at a time and then come back and be like, right, he had a son. I mean, if he really is their kid, that's clearly what happened. Because <laughs> like Fujiko's like, I don't have a kid, what? <laughs> I, I was, I'd be amazed that Fujiko forgets the time she was pregnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> She's just like, yeah, that was in between the times I was brainwashed. Of course I don't remember that. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it did make me want to read more of that particular manga. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know if the rest of it is like any good or whatever, but I would like to read it if given the chance. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to see. Oh, I do also want to highlight the Lupin who loved me because I think that story has a lot of my favorite, just like comic panel sequences in particular that really stood out to me. Like the one where like uh, I think Fujiko in that one is like trying to type a message. The guy like pulls out a doorknob knife and like sticks it in the <laughs> typewriter. Um, and then stop typing. <laughs> and then you know right when he's like threatening her or whatever, like you just get this big explosion and everything. And the way that like Lupin's message kind of like zooms in and it's revealed that like it's on like the back of his head or whatever. Like just just like stuff <laughs> yeah. like that really kind of like impressed me with that chapter in particular. That was a good gag. <laughs> what are the little fuzzy guys? What is that? I think originally when this chapter was published, that's probably a space where an advertisement that's was. That's what I was thinking, so too. For, yeah. the mon uh, the, for the graphic novel release, he just drew some <laughs> random illustration to fill the space. Because I've seen those, again, in fan art, and I was like, is that supposed to be something? So I'm glad I know now. No, it's not supposed to be anything. <laughs> it's probably like a kind of recurring mascot thing he draws, but I don't think it's like meant to be a character in of itself or anything specific. I, I was like, is that a Karibo? Like, what is that? What's going on? <laughs> Um, yeah, because we, we've seen this kind of thing with, like, um, I think uh, Togashi did this a lot in, like, the Yu Yu Hakusho manga, where, like, every once in a while, there's just, like, yeah. a random drawing, and I'm like, oh, this has nothing to do with anything, what's this? And, yeah, I, man, I'm really glad that, like, that's not a thing with modern manga now, that would really bother the shit out of me if I'm, I'm trying to read, like, I don't know, the latest chapter of My Hero Academia, and there's just, like, an ad in the middle of the page, that would really kind of annoy me, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> 
I would not like that. No. <laughs> uh, this is another one, though, where the line work has been compromised yeah. a bit, especially noticing it in the, the final chapter where, you know, there was a gradient originally in that final panel in the background, and now because that's removed, a lot of the line work is, there's pieces missing. It's like, ah, oh, man, my one big criticism. Yeah, that's unfortunate. How the art is presented in this. Is it likely they didn't have access to a higher resolution version or they just kind of decided to do it in black and white? Like, I'm sure y'all know more than I would. Because it's a shame if they decided to do it this way because it looks bad. Yeah, I I don't know if they still have the original plates or materials for these chapters. But I mean, I think the decision was just to do it in black and white rather than like grayscale the original color chapters like how the previous releases that Tokyo Pop worked off did it. So... That's unfortunate, I think, the decision they made. I would have preferred if they could have preserved uh, the art a little better with those chapters. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about it much because it's, 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 I think it's a pretty simple story. But, but the story where, like, Lupin meets up with this one guy and, like, he's basically tasked with trying to find, like, his grandfather's gold or whatever. And you have that bit where, like, I mean, obviously it turns out to be, like, a fake. But, like, for a moment, because they start bringing up, like, Oh, like no one's ever seen my real face. I could be anybody or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's an interesting implication that I never thought of before. That I I don't know if I've ever like seen in a special. I mean, I guess the closest thing I've seen that, and I guess would be green versus red. There are other things where it's explored. Yeah, they run with that more in the manga, and yet now recently, uh, as they've kind of brought up that idea again in modern Lupin stuff. Oh, okay. It's very explicitly explored. I won't say where. It's better to not say where. I yeah. Think. I don't know if you've watched, finished part five, so I didn't want to spoil that for you, Colton. I haven't started it yet, unfortunately. That was my favorite chapter in this because I've seen, I haven't, obviously haven't read all the Pop stuff, but I've seen the panel where Zenigata has Lupin tied up and he's kind of like desperate to figure out who he is. That's something from the manga that is like really, really cool where they kind of play with that. Where he's like, I don't even know if you're a man or a woman. I don't know if you're an angel or a devil. And he's like, it's me. Zenigata, and it gets really intense. And then he like tears his mask off and he just has like a hand with a gun for a head and then runs away. <laughs> yeah. and, I don't really, and I thought they were playing with that here, but I this was like by far, I think my favorite chapter in this actually because it's so creepy when the when Lupin comes in to kill the guy and it's playing yeah, with the darker aspects the of his song. character in an interesting way. Yeah, he's singing the lullaby and the man knows he's about to get shot and die. Um, and then, of course, it ends in a joke. But I, I wished, like I said, I should read more Shin Lupin because I like the darker explorations of the character. Like, I love Mamo and the woman called Fujiko Mine, just not the, like, cartoonish, nihilistic, rapey stuff. So this was a darker Lupin that actually worked for me, and I really like this chapter. Darker Lupin that still has a heart because he like, you know, says, hey, you know, thank you for walking over my grandfather's treasure. You take the treasure. It makes it more complex and yeah. interesting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just like the bit. Uh, the, the, that story is really good. I, I agree. Um, I also like some of the posing in there when they're kind of like walking over the log and like walking through the waterfall. Just like <laughs> I just love their like walking <laughs> poses. It's just it's just so funny. <laughs> legs honestly i think my favorite story was the treasure hunting story because i think that really did have like some of my favorite art in this collection because it's like it's so much cleaner than like a lot of the earlier stuff obviously and like it was just a lot of fun like treasure hunting shenanigans and it was i I also really liked the way it ended like we mentioned earlier with uh jigen and lupon being tricked into stealing from a bank (laughs) i just thought that was a was a good punchline yeah (laughs) 
I love Lupin's evil face, isn't it? Like page 263 at the bottom, he looks like a little monster. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> he looks like a little creature. So yeah, weird all through Lupin that chapter. It's great. Yeah, La Criachara, they've called him on Twitter. I've seen that like meme. It's very good. Um, but I, I guess is there anything else in particular we want to talk about with this collection before we maybe like move on to Twitter questions or um, I, I think we didn't we didn't mention much about the one man on uh, 180 rolls one, which is like I think I mentioned the most Bugs Bunny yeah. of the chapters where it's just like <laughs> somehow Lupin trying to find a locksmith and him getting arrested multiple times just to put in little pieces of a jackhammer. And then he got like, how did you do this? <laughs> 186 times. Just this long con scheme to just infiltrate this cell to give him all the resources he needs to, like, figure out where... Engineer the situation where, like, he can grab the lockman himself because he lets Sinigata know just enough so that he begins his transfer. And then he had Jeek and, and Goemon also turn themselves in so they could, you know, pose as guards. And so he could disguise himself as a uh, Melancop later and then they could break that guy out. It's, it's a really crafty, crazy scheme. <laughs> and again, that's a Melanchop chapter. And I love how Melancop mostly figured it out. And only at the end, we have the twist of like, oh, Melancop found Lupin in the floor. And like, he was going to cuff him. But then, you know, Lupin, of course, turned the tables of him and impersonated him instead. And tricks that he got. So that's a fun one. And the final panel of that is just, they're all like happy and giddy, like having broken the guy out. And the guy they broke out is like, he kind of sitting on the top of the trick, all confused. That's very funny to me, too. Oh, man. Yeah, that story was really good, too. Um, I at first thought it was going to be the story where, like, because I think it was my favorite episode from the part one anime. I forgot where I put it on my list initially. But, like, it's definitely one of my favorites where, like, Lupin, he gets captured and then he just, like, stays in jail for, like, years and years and years until he breaks out. Yeah. No, that's in the manga, too. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's classic. I just dubbed yeah. it like a yeah, couple that's right. weeks ago. Yeah, no, the part one dub has been so good. I've been keeping up uh, every week with those, and yeah. I want to watch that fun. one. That's one of my favorites, too. It's a, one of the most psychologically intense episodes of the franchise. I would highly recommend it. Absolutely. Really gets to the heart of, like, exploring, like, what Senegata wants out of his, like, <laughs> relationship to Lupin. Because he gets, like, so frustrated. It's like, what is he doing? He's going to break out, right? When is he going to do it? And he's just trying to figure out Lupin's game. And he kind of, he wants him to break out. Because he, what he wants more than anything is, like, a chase. So he's, like, he's, like, eager and to figure out when he's going to do it. And he's, like, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's a part four episode that's kind of a remake of it that I also really like that's a little bit nicer, but also Zenigata is more kind of sad in it. I'd recommend that one too. I was going to say, I just really liked the bits in the beginning where like Lupin turns himself in and, and Zenigata is just staring at him like, mm, what are you going to do? If you're going to if you're gonna do something, just do it now. Like, come on. Like, I can't imagine what it's like being Zenigata and just like constantly looking over your shoulder like, oh, Lupin's going to get me. I know he's gonna do something. You're just being gaslit every hour of every day. You know you gotta tear people's faces off because you don't know if they're Lupin or not. <laughs> yeah, it would make you be insane. And then Jigen going on turn themselves and he doubles over. It's like no way, this can't be real. And then I love the panel. They're just all saying in sequence, but it's true. <laughs> 
especially the bit where like the panel in particular where like Lupin's in his cell just like looking at Zenigata as he's walking away like oh you know he's up to something like just just his little face poking out of the cell <laughs> makes me laugh it's so good it's a little evil face and that's one of the most the more infamous Tokyo Pop lines too that was changed on page 56 oh my god <laughs> they're the balls to his dick yeah the balls to your dick <laughs> Um, what? That's one I kind of missed. I, I thought oh, that was a funny one. That was great. I've yes. never heard of this before. <laughs> no, me neither. Oh, it's good. Oh my god, I took a picture of that panel. Maybe we should. Just you should. We, we should. We should post that when this episode comes out. <laughs> oh man. Um, I guess do we have any like final thoughts on the Lupin manga just in general? Like I said, it's it's a good sampler platter for people who have not really experienced Lupin in general, or like or wanted to get a semblance of how the manga is, and maybe their only experience is the anime. I really hope that if these greatest heist collections eventually got maybe the right people to eventually put out the manga proper. But I mean, it's the unfortunate thing of just like, oh, it's kind of cool that we're seeing these like small little one stories, but it, it, I still feel like I wish I had some level of uh, cohesion, if that's even the right word for it. Where it's just like sometimes I wish everything's put together, but then again, it's Lupin, so it, it's never going to be. So it's hard for me, but uh, I, I still enjoyed it. No, I, I get that. Like I said, that was one of the things about this collection that kind of threw me off was because like all these different stories aren't exactly in like chronological order and they're and they are all from like different eras of Monkey Punch's series. Like, you know, I do kind of have to rewire my brain like, okay, I got to get used to a new art style now. Like, again, it's it, it might mostly just be like a personal thing, but like it is a little jarring and I think when we initially found out about this license, like, you know, part of me was kind of like, oh, I kind of wish we could get, like, all of the manga so we have, like, access to all of it again, because obviously that Tokyo Pop release isn't available anymore, and a lot harder to find, but... Well, you can find it. <laughs> it's just very expensive. Or, no, I'm saying you can the find other ways. it if you really want to read it. I guess that's it. true, too. Yeah, yeah. There are ways to find, I'm not, like, I'm always up for supporting uh, official releases, but I mean, this is like a 17-year-old release that you can't get a hold of. But you can, if you really want to read it, it's not that hard to. No, that's true, yeah. At least that first series, I think, I wish Tokyo Bob had finished doing all Shin Lupin, and I wish that potentially we could get, like, more translations of that era of the series in particular. Even though there's a lot of stuff in the early series, the first series that I still really like and also would like to see get retranslated. Like I mentioned before, I think one of the most memorable and one of my favorite storylines was the storyline where Lupin went to college. But... Yeah. No, I think the Shin Lupin stuff especially is like the stuff that's closer in tone to like the versions of the characters we're more familiar with with the anime. And it's just generally like funnier, wackier stuff just consistently. So yeah, I would like more focus on those stories and to have that more available. I kind of almost don't want the full manga to be re-released because I just don't want to live in a world where there's like 14,000 think pieces about the Lupin manga <laughs> <laughs> and how we're all evil monsters for enjoying it and making podcast episodes about the show and how we don't criticize it enough and just I just No, that's that's totally fair too. I was on Twitter talking about the absolute like wretched part 2 episode that's really anti-Semitic where the like Holocaust survivors acts like Satan and gets a doll to hypnotize Lupin and then he dies and Lupin saves a bunch of Nazis. It's a very weird episode. <laughs> 
And I was just like dumbfounded watching it. And then someone on Twitter was like, oh, I see. Well, I will no longer support this series. And I was like, I understand that. I respect that. But like Monkey Punch is dead. Like this is a 50 year old thing. I You can acknowledge that it has problems and be kind of baffled by it. And you know, I don't feel the need to like take a stance on something that came out however many years before I was born. I don't know. And it's not hard to acknowledge like, yeah, that's really weird and terrible <laughs> and strange. <laughs> It's like a new kind of like anti-Semitism I had never seen before. I was like, wow, only Lupin. I think too for a lot of people who like both of us coming into the series around the same time about twenty years ago. For a whole new generation of people just wanting to like I don't know show us how smart they are about something that we've already acknowledged was terrible twenty years ago. <laughs> it just. It would drain all of the energy from my body. I think I would just block everybody, just like everyone who engaged with them. I would not enjoy it. And I would probably like yell at whoever decided to license it because you brought this into my life and I didn't want it. <laughs> mm, no, that's a fair point. I mean, like Shannon was saying, you could technically find the old Tokyo Pop release out there, you know. I don't feel bad about finding it that way because it is an older release that is out of print and it's like, well, who's going to make money off of it when it's not available? But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I Like I said, a jarring experience going from different era to different era aside, I still think this was a good release. Like, I, I would feel comfortable giving this to somebody who doesn't know anything about Lupin. Like, I wouldn't have too much reservation about it as long as they don't freak out too much about, like the second chapter in the collection, which I mean, it's understandable, but like as long as they know going in like, hey, there's a little there's a little bit of this and it's kind of a part of the early manga. So just just kind of a content warning there. But otherwise, like I think this does a good job of being like a good starting point for new fans. Yeah, as long as they agree to never look up the rest of the manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick with these uh, best ofs or whatever shit Lupons you find. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, for me, like having read, you know, the original manga, you know, decade ago at this point, maybe less than that, probably. But still a very, very long time ago since I've like given it like a proper like reread. I was worried, you know, going into this like, oh, is this going to be another situation where a manga that I enjoyed reading when I was like a kid in high school, like, will I come back to it and be like, oh, this does not hold up. I won't like this as much. But I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I was I was glad to find that, oh, yeah, a lot of things I remember liking about the manga, about how wacky it is, about some of Monkey Punch's, like, paneling, his aesthetic sensibilities. I still really enjoyed all that stuff. And all I still found a lot of stories, a lot of really fun and funny. And, yeah, I just came away from it being like, oh yeah, there's still a lot to appreciate about the Lupin manga. A lot of that stuff that has been rightfully criticized, it is concentrated in the earlier parts of the series and thankfully has been excised mostly from the, this Best Stuff collection that really does showcase these characters and Monkey Punch's strengths as an artist and storyteller at its best. And I really appreciate that. And it made me want to be like, oh man, I want to revisit some of my favorite stories that were not included in this collection that I can still remember very well and fondly from the original manga and then just revisit 
visit that. And so, yeah, it was it was nice to have a showcase of, you know, some of Lupin's greatest hits and some of the greatest strengths of the manga version of Lupin, which is rightfully or probably understandably under-discussed when talking about the Lupin franchise, because the animated versions are what define the character. It is what made that character so iconic, even though the manga's popularity, you know, obviously was such that it got adapted originally for animation but still like i think this collection show that the manga still has a lot of artistic and entertaining value oh yeah to revisit at least like the best better parts of it and if we can continue to get more collections of the manga that showcase those best qualities and those better stories from the series i think that will be quite delightful and quite enjoyable i'm glad that there is a way for people to more accessibly and illegally get into the lupon manga or check out the lupon manga and see what it was like if they are a fan of the rest of the franchise and it also may be very motivated like man i gotta just collect those three remaining volumes or tokyo pop release <laughs> that i don't have because like i'm so close i have 20 of the 23 <laughs> volumes of this series tokyo pop published i might as well collect those last three so one of these days soon i'll hunt those down as someone who is trying to collect the bebop manga from tokyo pop i wish you luck no, yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I'm I'm pretty sure we can all agree that this collection is a pretty good one. Yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. But we still have a little more to talk about because we did get some questions from the Reddit Lupin community. And not all of these are like about the manga specifically. And some of these are like kind of improvised questions. Like, can you script the podcast similar to the part two Duncan style? <laughs> Which, uh, I mean... Maybe we can figure out something for like an intro pop to culture, this pop podcast culture, pop later. culture. Yeah, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, early two thousand pop culture references. Jackie Chan, George Lazenby, George Lazenby, But no, yeah, we we got some good questions uh, from the Reddit community that we can go into. One question that I don't know, I guess it's more of a speculative question, is like, if they had made part four earlier, which decade would it have been made? Or I think a better way to maybe rephrase the question, because like, you know, part four came out when it came yeah, out yeah. in the 2010s. But like, if we wanted part four to have been made earlier, like, would we have wanted made in the 90s or the 2000s? I think it's, I mean, I haven't seen all of it, so maybe I'm not the best judge here, but like, because I think I've seen at least like the first half of it. And from what I've seen so far, I, I think it's like great the way it is so far, honestly. Like, I love the look of it. Yeah. But if we wanted like a Lupin part that was made in an earlier decade, like the 90s or 2000s, would we have want a Lupin part four to be a big made in the 90s or in the 2000s? I think the 90s specials are better than the early 2000s specials, right? Yeah, I would agree. Like Tokyo Crisis is awesome. Tokyo Crisis is one of my favorites that's like mid-90s. And I think a lot of the early 2000s specials I've seen, I like fell asleep <laughs> or didn't like them. And they're kind of cursed, a lot of those. I agree, part four is really good. I like it more than five and six so far. So I would recommend it, but yeah. Yeah, I think 90s Lupin was a better era than 2000s Lupin, for sure. We had some gems like First Contact, but most of them are like the forgettable sort. Just looking through the list of them. Mm -hmm. And Return of Pycal is like bizarre. 
early oh. digital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my absolute least favorite special out of anything I've seen. It's it's just so boring, and it just looks so flat. It's also weird. <laughs> it's, for its wild CG and everything else. I think it's, yeah, It for the sake of it being weird, yes. As a thing I want to watch on a regular basis, nah, I'm good. It's very cursed. I'm surprised Discotech even brought that out, honestly. Oh, and the effort they put into it to, like, restore it and make it look decent. Serviceable. You know, they, a lot of effort on polishing a third there, for sure. But, yeah, I think 90s, yeah, generally a better era for Lupin the 2000s. So if they were to have made a TV show, probably the 90s would have been the better call. Yeah, there. yeah. But... Now we have a question from Tom Joseph who asks us, like, what are our favorite interpretations of the characters just on an individual level? I think Fujiko's easy. Uh, I, I, I was going to say, I feel like I know what Foxy's answer would be in particular. Yes. <laughs> so so don't answer? Okay. No problem. <laughs> no, I want to hear it. No, I mean, my, my favorite interpretation of Fujiko is obviously the woman. I would say wrong. Um, but her series. Um, I just, I just love the way that it plays with our expectations. And then she turns out to be the person that we've always known her as. Um, when it comes to the other characters, that's more difficult for me. Mostly because my memory is horrible. So I will need time. I was going to say, I don't know if I have like a particular interpretation of any character. I mean, to kind of try to answer the question. I mean, I think, mm, I'm going to say like my favorite particular character episode of any of the TV series so far has to be with episode four of part four, the Jigen episode where he has to like, basically he has to go to the dentist or whatever. (laughs) I I remember watching the part four anime for the first time. I think this was before I finished part one too, because I was, I was kind of going back and forth between the two for whatever reason. And like, I think, um, cause I was so early in the Lupin still, and I remember liking Jigen, but I think that was the episode that like made me fall in love with him in particular, because I think it's 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 just such a good episode, just in general. And Kiyoshi Kobayashi always knocks it out of the park, especially considering how old he is, or how old he was when he was still playing Jigen. I'm sad that he had to retire, but he's also old and he deserves a break. 89 or 90? Yeah, basically. It's crazy. <laughs> mm. um, he's super old. I'm interested in watching part six in particular just to hear how... Um, Akio Otsuka? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how he voices it. He's great. I think I the first half of part six is awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Oshi episodes are really interesting. The rest of it just sucks. It's Um, very boring. Yeah. It is just like really terrible character writing, um, I think. That's a shame. Uh, without like going on a huge tangent. The second half has been fun so far. And those she episodes are really weird. Uh, like God gets the Archangel Michael to trick Fujiko into stealing Lucifer's skeleton, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> and then you cut back to the Sherlock plot. And I'm like, oh, I don't she care about say. this. <laughs> um, I, just, I, I honestly... I honestly love like batshit insane stuff like that. The, the Hemingway fan fiction episode <laughs> is bad. I don't want to necessarily spoil the end of that one, but there is an episode that's basically just like, I don't know, Lupin is like a nerd for Hemingway, Ernest yeah. Hemingway. <laughs> it's really weird. There's like a Desperado reference in it. Um, but yeah, Otsuka's really good. I, like, and um, like episode zero is really, really good, the kind of transitional episode. And then he comes in, and I'm a fan of it. Like, I love One Piece, and he's gray as Blackbeard, and I love him as Dimple and Mob Psycho. So I was already a fan of his work. And his dad played Goimon in part one, like earlier on. Oh, yeah. It's really interesting. I don't know if it's nepotism or whatever, but he's very good. <laughs> I think he does a good job. What, what were you saying earlier, Foxy? Oh, no, I was saying that I, I love batshit insane stuff like that. Like, just just 
complete nonsense. It's clearly just like random plot generator stuff put together. Like, why would you need to do any of those things? None of those words belong in the same sentence. But I kind of miss like the early part two, part three, just like completely wild episodes for no reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like Mamo. Mamo was just like five different plots slapped together into (laughs) one thing. And they were Nazis for some reason. And just it. Hitler showed up. Nazis showed up. (laughs) That type of thing. Like, I, I feel like modern Lupin misses that a lot. Yeah, I I prefer the insanity, certainty, and the silliness of part two as well. I think that is still, to me, the benchmark Lupin series. And I feel like that is kind of the standard to which Lupin is judged against. That is like where the iconic versions of the characters were solidified. And so everything has kind of iterated off of that since. Because the red jacket Lupin, that is like the image of Lupin that kind of first comes to mind in popular culture. And all the TV specials pretty much since then are like the red jacket Lupin until the modern era where they've switched over to blue jacket Lupin. So part two, I think still is like to me like definitive Lupin for me. Although I will also agree with Foxy that Woman Called Fujiko Mini I think is the best series on a writing level. And its version of Fujiko is my favorite. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are a lot of the versions of the other characters in that I also like mostly like Jigen, I think is very good in that series. And then I just appreciate that some of the other characters have like kind of a darker bent to them. That's like they're, they're very interesting interpretations. But yeah, in terms of like a single anime that I think is the best, I think Woman Called Fujiko Mini is. But in terms of like a version of the characters, the characterization that I think is just like to me what the Lupin gang are just like in their purest form i think part two represents that most to me and so that's kind of the reason why i find myself revisiting i most and especially like in the dub i like just the dub performances of tony oliver as lupin michelle ruff as fujiko lex lang as goemon and richard epcar as jigen and so like i'm glad that to this day like they've kind of been just the consistent dub cast for the lupon characters especially because my introduction to lupon was through the dub of part two like those are the voices to me and so like now when i think of those characters those are the voices that i hear first like even beyond the japanese voices because that was just so formative for me so that would be my answer for like what are my favorite versions and interpretations of the characters yeah, it's just hard for me to answer the question because one, I there's still so much Lupin I haven't seen, and two, like I don't know if I've come across an interpretation of any of the characters that I've like really vehemently disagreed with. I guess, I guess aside, I, ge- I guess aside from like, uh, oh, what was the name of that one? Um, the one where they were carrying out a coup, dead or alive? That one, mm. yeah, that's the worst one to me. <laughs> yeah, that one's. If you want to hear us talk more about some of these specials, you should really check out our Changing Jacket series on uh, the SSA network. But uh, yeah, we talked a lot about that one in particular. And I, st- I still think the animation for that one, while I don't really necessarily care for like how it looks, I think is animated well. But like, yeah, that the, the story and the characters were just so blah to me, honestly. <laughs> I watched it like when I was a teenager and then I don't remember any of it. That's, so. that's the best. That's for the yeah, best, yeah. honestly. I definitely owned it and I was like, did I watch that? Don't revisit it. I remember it. Mamo. <laughs> I saw Mamo a long time ago. I remember everything from Mamo. I, I think the the worst thing you can do is try to find, try to make these characters boring. Oh, holy yeah, shit, yeah. No, that's the biggest complaint of the TV specials. Like, a lot of them are super mid and uninteresting. <laughs> yeah, that, that's sort of the problem and I think that's why when we 
wanted to do our thing, we were like, oh, let's just focus on the movies and the, and the OVH because at least we can try to get some level of interpretation with the characters. But even then, we still find duds in there. Oh, yeah. Um, was, there's a few yeah. duds. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard, it's tough to find like in like a interpretation of a character. It's weird to say, but sometimes I like Zenigata when he's actually a competent cop. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Actually, that's interesting. Zenigata, when I first got in the Lupin, because like I said, my my first special was First Contact episode zero, and when I started watching that, from the very little I knew about Lupin, I knew that the relationship between Zenigata and Lupin was a big part of the franchise or whatever, but I always just kind of assumed like, oh, Zenigata's just like, always a goofy cop, and he kind of sucks at his job, and he never gets Lupin, so obviously, he's terrible at everything he does, but then I watch episode zero, and I'm like, oh, he's actually like, kind of competent in places, and I can actually kind of take him seriously every once in a while. Well, he is terrible at being a father. Yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's just like, why hasn't he been fired so long ago from Interpol He or won't whatever, let you fire him. I don't know. I guess it's, 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 that's true also, yeah. He won't even let himself die, so... <laughs> He has, yeah, like he has big Jim Gordon from the Harley Quinn uh, TV show energy that yeah. like that you kind of expect some level of just like his he's so manic at times trying to chase after Lupin that you figure like yeah this man had gone insane to try to capture this one dude but like when you see moments of him being kind of like oh yeah I actually am like I'm good at what I do yeah I get to the point where I find Lupin but I can't catch him but that's that's sort of like the you know I guess the chase is the is the part that he enjoys the most in some ways and that's the early years of Zenigata are usually the fun to watch but then it's like then him slowly going down this like just maddening like circle <laughs> is 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 fun to watch it as well but i think that's probably it's probably the interpretation that i don't see as much i think if you want to say i want to say favorite but it's just like oh i'd like to see that mm-hmm. more as we know from watching fuma he will literally become a monk and convert to buddhism <laughs> if he does not have lupon to catch because he has nothing yeah. else in this life that was originally going to be in mamo too that's why you see like a Buddha at the beginning of the movie. They cut it for whatever reason. I love that he still doesn't decide to go home and be a family man. It's just like, <laughs> you take Lupin out of his life, nothing else exists. <laughs> I have really intense opinions about character interpretations, actually. Okay. I think it's Ooh. interesting that y'all aren't like, I, I, don't, I guess it's from catching up so fast. Yeah, I've seen, like fair. probably more, more recently than us. That's probably just why. No, yeah, yeah, yeah that's for sure. Probably. And my memory sucks. Last year or the year before, I watched part one, part four, part five, one called Fujiko Mine, all the Koike stuff, a bunch of part three, like all for the first wow. time ever. Nice. I really like Lupin when he's like kind of evil. I think modern interpretations of him where he's very heroic are boring. Yes. Like yeah. I really like yes. part four. <laughs> But what's the point of watching something with Lupin if he's not petty or narcissistic? <laughs> like in part two, some of my favorite episodes, like the one, the prisoner reference episode where he goes to the island to save Jigen and Goimon from the nun cult. And at the end, he's like, I know you're hypnotized, but did you enjoy like being mean to me? And they're like, kind of. And he's like, fuck you and drives away and leaves them. <laughs> The, uh, the Safe Cracker Sun episode, where not only he like sleeps with this guy's wife and she leaves him, and then he ruins the Safe Cracker's life for no reason. <laughs> or the Safe Designer, sorry, like that that kind of stuff without him being like rapey and evil. I love it. It's so mm. fun. It's like an It's Always Sunny or The Simpsons or something. Part yeah, two. Mm. yeah. Mm. I also love the one called Fujiko Mine and Mamo. Uh, Mamo Lupin is just a little narcissistic monster who ruins everyone else's lives. I think that's. Uh, with, again, without being as bad as the early manga, that's not fun to me to read. 
uh, that kind of stuff. Um, but I also like really sweet interpretations of Zenigata, like part two or part four. I like what they did with him in the one called Fujiko Mine, but I would not want to see that through the whole franchise. And I think in the Koike <laughs> stuff so far, he's boring. Yeah. But I think the next Koike special should be a, should be a Zenigata special. Hopefully he has like a freak oh, out. Please. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just would like less Fujiko and Zenigata implied sex for like the rest yeah, of my life. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that really weird. I don't me think that'll ever happen again. I've seen yeah. so much more than I need to see, but I, I do agree with you a lot about the specific interpretation of Lupin, and I think that's part of why I don't really like Castle Cagliostro. He's just too nice. He's squishy. I like it as as like a retired Lupin. Miyazaki's yeah. the only one who ever did it well, though. Yeah. That was part of what was uh, upsetting about part six is a lot of the marketing mm-hmm. was, is Lupin a hero or a villain? Did yeah. he kill John Watson? And I mean, this is kind of a spoiler, but... Nope. <laughs> Uh, th- th- nothing interesting happens with that. He's a nice guy. Uh, yeah. th- they completely deflate it. And I'm like, well, shit, okay. He's only angry sometimes. He's only angry sometimes. He's a big sweetheart, <laughs> and he's really boring. And he has a Walter. He needs to do more murder, honestly. Yeah. Modern Lupin being too heroic is, yeah, very boring. Like, I, the, we need the selfish, narcissistic, wildcard energy that he had earlier on. Part two nails it. I'm not against him having like a principle or two, but like we don't need speeches <laughs> or saving countries. None of that. He's not like a shun and jump protagonist or whatever, you know? Like having having morals of like, oh, I'm not gonna kill kids or anything, like that's good. But like, yeah, not not being like too much of a goody goody. He should be like a, a thief and he should be more selfish and he should be motivated by his narcissism and ego. Like that's that's the loop on that. It's the funnest. I'm fine with him appearing heroic because it aligned with whatever it is that he wanted. If I get something out of yeah, it, then yeah. yeah, like I don't mind yeah. saving someone. But not like Superman. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not there. This is so in- interesting about him. He loves Superman. That's again a part two <laughs> thing where he not makes yet. his friends watch Superman like 15 <laughs> times and they, go, they get mad at him. He that loves heroes, great. but he's not a hero. He's an idiot. Yeah. He's just good at stealing. <laughs> It's great that he has heroes that he he always fails. He's kind of like Luffy in that way, where he doesn't want to be a hero because then he has to share all the meat. I think I actually I was tweeting about that recently because Luffy's like, I'm not a hero. I like heroes. I'm never gonna want to be one. And Lupin is like, I am a hero, and it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> He's like deluded. I think that's such an interesting uh, contrast between them. And I was gonna say real fast too. I really like Jigen and the woman called Fujiko Mine. He's like sad. <laughs> and this, this I like uh, with Jigen. I like readings of him being like a queer character. I think it makes, especially yeah. in like yeah. part one and woman called Fujiko Mine. Uh, it's very like it just makes a lot more sense to me for the character. And he's just being this sort of like sad guy who finds a light. Lupin treats him terribly in that too. But he's like, oh, I have a reason to live now, and I like him in part two. And then with Goemon, a lot of characterizations are just kind of bad. I think he's really funny in the one called Fujiko Mine when he like makes her shitty oatmeal. A lot of them just treat him, especially recently. Just he's just like a walking plot device, where yeah, like yeah. Mm-hmm. at the moment where things are most dire and they need to be saved is when everyone remembers that Goemon exists and he shows up to save them from the trap or whatever, and then leaves. A lot of the time, it's to the point where I almost don't know who Goemon is supposed to be mm-hmm. in a modern sense. And I feel like no one's really tackled that well or at all. Yeah. And maybe it's because his stories more or less rely on the rest of the group not being around or him leaving them at some point to go and do something else. Maybe only one or two of them showing up. But it's sort of 
I guess, irritates me Mm -hmm. to see so little of someone who could be such a fun character. Because I think he is not as goofy on purpose, but he's more than goofy enough to fit in with the rest of the group. And I guess, I don't know whether people just feel like he's supposed to be the serious samurai guy and this is the Happy Fun Times movie, so he can't be around. And I did also like him in A Woman Called Fujiko Mine because just that, the whole thing with him and Jigen both high on the dust and they were fighting. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. He's, so fu- he's the funniest character in that. Yeah, that, he is. With the owl heads and he's like, I have a real girlfriend. Like all that yeah. stuff. He's just kind of an idiot. Yeah. Like the himbo going on. Mm. And just like, no, you don't. Sir, you don't. This is what a girlfriend is. <laughs> Why is she sad? <laughs> Goemon is the, at his best when you take his serious personality and then twist it for humors that he like believes something ridiculous so seriously and earnestly that it's <laughs> amusing and endearing rather than like the boring stoic serious Goemon of like he's just, you know, obsessed with being the best, but he otherwise is pretty humorless. Mm-hmm. I've cut something unworthy again. <laughs> That guy. And that's kind of what I appreciate about Goemon in the manga is that he is, like, more goofy and silly. And, like, (laughs) Monkey Punch is not afraid to draw him having goofy expressions. So I appreciate that characterization in the the manga. And I appreciate, again, that type of characterization. We see it in the shows and films, too. I don't like it when Goemon doesn't know how to use a cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) Or in Prison of the Past, he doesn't know what a sandwich is. Oh my god. Jesus. Like, yeah. what is this sandwich? And I'm like, if this, like, this is. What? In part two and part one, he's much more self aware and, like, capable. He could, like, pilot an airplane and do so- and in modern stuff. He doesn't know how to use a camera. I'm like, is this what you're doing with him? What? That's, like, serious flanderization. Yeah. Like, because. Goemon's thing is that he prefers the Japanese traditional ways, but it's not like he's, like, completely unaware. Or he shouldn't be completely unaware of modern technologies. Yeah, he's, uh, he's on thought caveman samurai. Yeah. And how to live in modern society. That's not. It's upgrading. He like makes a choice to like dress as a samurai because he believes in traditional ways. He's not like unaware or oblivious to, to modern society. I also like blood spray, but it doesn't really characterize him much as just a cool movie. Oh yeah, that is some of the best action. It, it's the best Koei K movie for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is by yeah. far. Um, I was just gonna say really quickly. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna take away anything from this conversation, I think it is that Goemon is easily, like, the most underutilized part of the cast across everything, yeah. for sure. But then I was also going to say about Lupin real quick. You know, we were talking about it earlier. I think I'm personally okay with Lupin being the hero, like you guys said, as long as it's because, like, oh, I'm going to get something out of this if it's for his own gain. Or, like, I kind of like when Lupin is put in a position where, like, just a general where, like, he's not usually the hero, but he's put in a position where he has to, like, reluctantly be the hero. I think that's kind of cute. I kind of like that, but... I like when Lupin is kind of like sort of a gentleman thief kind of character, but I also do like when there's still like kind of a darkness about him, you know, like as as long as you kind of keep that, I'm fine with most interpretations personally. As long as it allows him to be mean to children, I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Conan movie is great for that. Not a special, the special's terrible, but the movies, even if you're not a Conan fan, it's really fun. And it's sort of like edgy, mean Lupin, but also like romantic hero Lupin keeps electrocuting people. (laughs) The like back and forth that Conan and Jigen have is like the best part of either of those specials. I love that. It's so funny. And Senegata and like Sato and Takagi looking up the Senegata. 
Is any guy just saying he and Lupin email each other and he's in love with him? I'm like, what yeah. is this? This is fantastic. Man, we need to cover those specials on either SSA or One Podcast Prevails at some point. We will eventually. When are they going to make Lupin versus Kaito Kid? He said it's a joke, but I actually want I to see I actually want to see that too, though. That actually would be cool. I think those characters would bounce off with each other. Maybe one day. <sighs> one day. Just give us what we want already, TMS. Well, I think that leads us to an, our next question, our final question, and that's from Andrea of 1063. What's our favorite manga anime? I think, you know, for all of us, it is like the anime version, like even though yeah, that's an easy question. out of the manga, enjoying it. And mm-hmm. I do really like the manga. I want to reread it. But yeah, it's, it's the anime for sure. But I think uh, a good twist to make on the question is what is our favorite anime of Lupin? Like what's our favorite version of Lupin, our favorite installment of the franchise well can i actually twist that question real quick because i I wanted to save this as like a last question to kind of round off the show uh not just like our favorite lupon anime but like what do you guys think because i mentioned earlier about first contact but if you guys had to pick a starting point for a new fan who really wanted one what do you think that would be what would you recommend to a first time lupon fan especially someone who's read the manga is like i want to check out like the anime where should i start or whatever I've been asked this a bunch on Twitter, and I, what I ended up uh, sort of copying and pasting is I don't think there's any one thing that could possibly encapsulate what the franchise is, because some of it is so different. So I just tell people to make an afternoon of it and watch Cagliostro, the first Mamo, and Bloodspray, and some part two episodes like the Miami Bank Raid anniversary, the dub episode of The Vampire, uh, <laughs> But Your Brother Was Such a Nice Guy. Target is 555 meters, uh, combat magnum scattered in the wasteland, and of course, Albatross, one of the Miyazaki episodes. I think that together is like a, a, a sample, like you order like an appetizer sampler plate at a <laughs> restaurant. It's like that. Because I don't think there's anything, uh, any one thing that could possibly encapsulate like Mamo and Cagliostro, because they're opposite Oh, movies. yeah. Yeah. It's a greatest heist, if you will. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. I know. Just select the best of the best. To show off the different tones and styles of Lupin. And that's a good way to have someone evaluate what type of Lupin content and story that they'll get into and they will gravitate towards. My thing also with kind of like anyone, uh, for anyone listening to this who doesn't know that much about Lupin, definitely don't go into it expecting like a set canon at all. Like anything could be done with these characters like... I always equate it to like, if you like Scooby-Doo and you're used to like, uh, you know, different interpretations of the characters and you're okay with the fact that like, these are just fun characters and they don't have like an origin story per se. Like, I I think you'll have a fun time with Lupin. Yeah, Scooby-Doo and Lupin are very similar franchises because there's always something new from them like every year. Like (laughs) every year there's a new Scooby-Doo, every year there's a new Lupin, there are multiple shows. Some are better than others. They both had CG (laughs) films released within months of each other. (laughs) One was better than the other, I will say in that case. But uh, yeah, and they also are all borrowing from kind of like this default understanding of like what the characters are, the full template of who the characters are and their dynamics with each other that gets iterated and twisted upon by different versions and interpretations by different creative teams and stuff over the years. And then there's like a very kind of clear like idea of what the classic era is and what the modern era is, what was like kind of the revival moment for franchises. So yeah, they're very similar in that way. And much like Scooby-Doo, it's not necessary to like try and watch everything and probably it's a good idea to 
<laughs> not try to watch everything, but like to figure out like what tone and what style of stories you like most and then gravitate towards those and the stuff in that ballpark. The only difference with Scooby-Doo in particular is that it's a lot of the same thing, whereas I feel like Lupin, I feel like, has a lot more variety. Yeah, well, Scooby-Doo will have stuff that mixes up the formula, you know, your zombie islands and your mystery inks That's and, fair, like yeah. that and whatnot, but yeah, no, Lupin has even more range comparatively. I mean, I feel like in terms of like a favorite, like, I know I'm kind of mixing up the questions, I apologize. Uh, but I, I feel like in terms of a favorite, like, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that it's probably either Mamo or Cagliostro, because those are like the best ones, even though, like Shannon said, they are, they do represent like two wildly different sides of the Lupin franchise, for sure. Yeah. Um, movie, I guess Cagliostro would be my favorite movie. It's the most accessible, for sure. Yeah, and it has, like, very memorable scenes and great animation. Like, I do like other ones a lot. Uh, I actually do like the first one. I have rewatched it a few times. But I think, yeah, Kagelosser, I guess, default. Because Kagelosser is, like, one of the few anime. I think the only anime I actually showed my grandmother and she liked. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. It has that going for it, yeah. too. But, yeah, no. Uh, I, but, you know, it's not my favorite version of Lupin or the anime. I think I definitely gravitate towards the TV series more than the films and specials. And as mentioned before, I think for me, Definitive Lupin is part two. But the best show just from a writing standpoint is Fujiko Mine. So mm -hmm. those would be my mm -hmm. answers. I think that I wouldn't recommend Kagliostro as like a, a first watch because I feel like it's such a take on the characters that you're basically never going to get again. That's fair, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it might be better for your expectations if you reward yourself with it after you've made it through enough of any one of the series that you have a pretty good handle on who the characters are and then go with that. I think Mamo's fine for a beginning thing because it's just enough of the weird and bizarre and evil Lupin that you'll <laughs> that it's sort of a, a, a more accurate read on who he is nearer to the beginning of the series I do want I think more than anything is a short um 13 episodes is fine series on each one of the iconic characters so we already mm. got we already got the Fujiko one so that's fine um the whole show is the Lupin one so we don't need that but Goemon, Zenigata, and Jigen if all three of them got something that was more of a character study on them I think that could be really cool as an addition to the Lupin canon as it exists, rather than another, like a part seven, I guess, after this, where, I don't know, another iconic literary character that we could just throw in for no reason. <laughs> what other European country are we going to loosely set the characters in this time? <laughs> Let's go with Serbia for no reason. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think that'd be cool to have focal series for the different characters. Zenigata did have like a live action series that, Jen, I know you really like the actor who played Zenigata in that That's one. the only thing I liked. I <laughs> well, so maybe an anime version that's like better. Oh, he, he is like, he doesn't look like Zenigata, but he he is a walking cartoon. <laughs> He's awesome. Suzuki, <laughs> maybe. Um, if you just watch clips of it, I like to watch more of it. But like the writing and production design was all just like terrible. And I was like, oh, because Zenigata is my favorite, and I like really I was excited about it. And then I was like, oh, I would actually really, really love a Zenigata TV like a TV anime. I think that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. I think you could do a lot of cool stuff with that. He has his own manga. Oh, does he? 
Um, it's it's not translated, oh. but it's pretty easy. I I like bought a random volume of it just to look at. It. I was like, this is cool. This will never be <laughs> translated into English officially. I probably never scanlated, but he does. There's a ton of spinoff manga. Oh yeah, like, like a, there's an Italian one original comic. Oh wow, that someone's scanlating. If you look for it, you can find that too. That again will probably never be officially translated into English. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you have to look into that. Didn't we talk about there's like some Lupin Isekai manga? Yeah, that there, oh, there God, is. There yeah, is. that one's brand new. <laughs> what? Okay, it's nightmarish. It's one of those people where their art style is like, oh, this person probably drew a lot of hentai and they can't draw normal people. <laughs> I'm, I'm being mean, but it is really weird. I was, I, I read a little bit of it and I was like, oh, okay. Wait, and Lupin gets isekai or someone gets isekai into Lupin? I wish it was the latter, but it's the former. Oh. oh. And I think I remember like a teenage girl falling, like fantasy girl falling in his lap and there's a panty shot. And I'm like, okay, uh. this isn't that really what I read Lupin for. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um. I would be very interested to see if that ever gets licensed. It probably won't, but it's out there, let's just say. It's a very recent series, so maybe, yeah, Seven Seas would license it. I mean, it look, e- like Seven Seas loves their isekai manga, and uh, uh, why just, just, just bring <laughs> <Yeah>. it over. <laughs> and they, they license modern manga at, uh, reinterpretations of classic series, and, and the classic series themselves, so... Any of y'all have seen part six, the like little eye catch things, mm-hmm. interstitials? Um, that artist, I don't remember. I think it's a woman. I'm not sure his or her name, but they did a manga called Lupin T huh. that has a really cool art style that, again, I hope gets translated, but it probably never will. And they would do all these like fan animations on Twitter as well. Oh, wow. So they got commissioned oh. to do, they're like a manga artist who does all animations and they got commissioned to do the official. They've done a lot of really cool ones. I'll have to find one and link it to y'all later, but it's just like, oh, I was like, I recognize that art style. Good for them. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's nice. I really love those eye catches. Oh, their stuff is really good. Their yeah. manga is really cool looking too, but I don't speak Japanese, so I don't really know what's happening. I promise this isn't just a plug for my stuff, but I, I will say if you're interested in maybe watching the part one anime from decades and decades ago and you don't want to watch like all of it, I did do like a top five article thing on my personal blog where I talked about my favorite episodes from the part one anime. So if you want like a sample platter of like that series in particular, I think that's a good place to start too. And if you're not into like watching old anime, you can watch it dubbed because I think the part one dub is like it very good it's fateful and the performances obviously are by the cast has been doing this for like 20 years at this point now so they really into the characters so it's well done and it's because it's a new dub it sounds more modern so even if like the visuals are like from 50 years ago like it still kind of gives you a sense like oh you're watching kind of a more modern show just because the sound quality of the audio is so good and uh yeah i think uh it's a good time to check that out in general, though, if you're, like, I guess, adverse for some reason to watching older stuff, I do think, like, Part 4 is a pretty good show. So oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to get into it if you want something more modern. It has some great episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. People love Part 5. There is nothing I like about Part 5. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. People get mad at me. It's fine. But the first episode has, like, an underage girl panty shot, and then she's, like, in love with Lupin. And I'm like, that's weird. Mm. That's unfortunate. And then it just sort of goes downhill from there. I mostly like part five, but I do agree that there's stuff with Ami that I don't like at all. Well, it was also like drones, the dark web. It's got, it's already dated. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas part four is insane and really fun and more in line with part two. So 
Well, I hope we gave everybody listening to this podcast who might not have already been into Lupin maybe a, a good starting point there. I mean, I mean in general, like if you really don't know where to start, just kind of like look around, see what's the most interesting to you. There's not really like a bad starting point, in my opinion, honestly. There are bad specials, but. Unless it's one of the worst specials. I, I guess yeah. that's true, yeah. And don't sit there and watch a bunch of the like 2000 specials because they're god awful. <laughs> a lot of them are. Oh, some of them really suck. But yeah, I think you're kind of, you're kind of looking at what sounds interesting if you read a synopsis of it to be like, all right, let's try this. I, I think that's sort of the kind of the better thing about Lupin is that there's no real beginning and there's no real end to it. It's always middle chapters. So you kind of always kind of have to go on based on, I don't know, hey, if it's modern enough that it looks good. Okay. If you if you care about the art style or whatever, then if you don't, if it doesn't, if you don't mind older animation, check out some of the older series. There's a lot to be had. If you just want something quick, tick out one of the movies those are easy too accessible too the first is anyone could watch the first the yeah. first is good is a good one i have issues with the plot but like if you want to watch something with your family or just like random yeah. friends it's animated very well oh, yeah it's a gorgeous movie oh, yeah yeah i can't think of anything else i think that's a good place to end i had a lot of fun talking about lupon with you guys and i really want to thank uh shannon doctor and foxy all for coming on thanks for having us it was super fun yeah yeah it was really cool Mm-hmm. And I guess this is the part of the show where uh, we'll let you guys kind of plug your stuff. And I guess, uh, Shannon, we could start with you. I am primarily a video essayist. So uh, I would recommend people check out my review of the first that y'all mentioned. If you go on YouTube and type in Struchi movies or like Struchi Loop on the first, you can find it. I'm also a player and co-host on the Teenage Superhero Body Horror Actual Play podcast, Critical Bits. I'm the film correspondent for Struggle Session. I am on the Fight Together miniseries on the One Piece podcast. And I, this is the fourth time I've been on a podcast to talk about Lupin. <laughs> so I, I should promote, uh, I was on Asinine Lupin. It's all fandom and sideburns and cigarettes. Also, to tell, if you want to look up those episodes and just hear me just like rant and galaxy brain about <laughs> Lupin <laughs> for hours. There you go. Yeah, you had a great encapsulation of like what drives the Lupin crew and the Asinine Lupin Pies in particular. Oh, yeah, people, I clipped that for Twitter, and people went nuts, and I was very happy. Yeah, like, I had my hardcore just like, this is what the series is about in one minute, and people really liked it. Oh, man. Um, I actually listened to your episode on uh, It's All Fandom last night, and I I thought it was a really good discussion. Thank you. Yeah, we went for a long time just, like, out into the weeds. It was really fun. Uh, I I think about as long as we went on, actually. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, no, definitely go follow Shannon's stuff and check out her videos and everything. I need to still make my way through some of your videos. I've heard a lot of good things about your stuff. So, I oh, think, yeah, I did. A, I'm the reason everyone uses the word parasocial now. <laughs> I made a web series documentary about parasocial relationships a few years ago. And uh, yeah, Fake Friends 2 is like the th- like feature length documentary I did that I'm like known for. And I've also been probably on like 15 podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That. Um, but yeah, that that would be the one to watch, I think, outside of anime and Lupin stuff. For sure, for sure. It is a really fantastic like video essay. Thank you. It's hard to believe. I can't believe it was so many years ago. I just randomly looked at the channel. I was like, wow. But Lad, no, I've really uh, enjoyed your videos for a long time. From your, Thank you. If you want to be film nerd series, two of those parasocial hell videos. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, film nerd was like 2015, six years ago. That's, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So definitely go follow Shannon's stuff. And then uh, Dr. and Foxy, uh, you know, I record with you guys a lot. 
Uh, you want to talk about some of the stuff we do? Um, I guess if it's related to Lupin, uh, I know you, you brought up the Changing Jacket series, which is a part of our show, the Ask Backwards Enemy podcast, over at ssaapodcast.com. Uh, that is episodes 141 through 150 of our show, which is basically, you know, that's where we covered, started with Mamo all the way to, I think it was the last thing we did. I forgot exactly. Fujiko's Lie? I think so, Yeah. yeah. Technically, on our Patreon, we also do have a review of Lupin the First, so I guess that was technically the last thing we did. Yes, but I think that's also exclusive to our Patreon over at ssaanetwork.com. And I think that's most of it. Yeah, we were kind of a general anime podcast. We cover a lot of stuff. We're currently going through a series called Celse no Aquarian, <laughs> um, which is wild if you like mecha anime and such. So go listen to that. So we're kind of going on this sort of weird little uh, sort of micro series inside of our main show. So it's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, we have that. We have other shows besides that, which is, uh, you know, Colton has mentioned a few of them, including One Podcast Prevails, which is a Detective Conan podcast that I run with him. The threesome between me, Foxy, and Colton also run uh, Just a Gintama Podcast as well over at GintamaPodcast.com, OnePodcastPrevails.com also for the Conan stuff. Uh, we, yeah, we got to eventually cover the Lupin specials there. It's uh, There's a lot we're, we're doing. We're very busy people. Everything kind of culminates into our Patreon, so all of our episodes and anything we do gets uh, included in that patron feed. So if you enjoy our shows for just as little as a dollar, you, you can get basically a whole feed that all the episodes come to and yeah i think that's pretty much all of it mm-hmm. you can basically get a master feed of all of our stuff which i think is the way to go if, if you if you like all of our stuff yeah if you care enough about that i guess <laughs> i don't know uh, foxy do you want to plug anything real quick i mean that, that's all almost always everything so no i'm good i i hang around <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, I I was also really excited to have you guys on because of the fact that we talked so much Lupin on our show too. And uh, you know, maybe maybe one day, hopefully, we can get back to Lupin if we feel like it. Um, real quickly, I do also just want to mention while doctors here that for those of you who aren't following us on our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Manga Mavericks, we did just get done a few months ago doing our own mini series where we covered all of the Saint Seiya manga. Yeah. Oh wow. He and I both read it for the first time. Well, Saint Seiya is a whole other thing that we could talk about and i know we've done an episode on but i i wasn't on that original episode so i decided hey we i'm just gonna do my own read through of it on the patreon it was it was a lot of fun so uh if you enjoyed listening to doc on this podcast in particular and you want to hear he and i talk about more stuff in particular definitely go to our patreon again patreon.com slash mavericks at the five dollar tier and you can basically listen to all of that read through I, I think it's one of my favorite things uh, i've ever done podcast wise actually it was so fun <laughs> i forgot i was also on kill james bond to talk about lupin on their Patreon. Nice. So it's, this is nice. the sixth <laughs> podcast. Anyway, sorry, I was just like, I remembered while y'all were talking. Sorry, but I wanted to plug that too. One final plug there. That's okay. We all do too many things and we f- we forget sometimes. I almost, for- I almost <laughs> forgot to talk about the Saint Say read through in, in particular. But no, yeah, uh, go follow that. Go fo- follow all of our stuff. I-, I think all of our stuff is good, you know? So, so there you go. But yeah, I, I think that's going to be about it for this discussion. And I think, Lum, I think we should head on out to our community shout outs. Yeah, I think we've hopefully successfully stolen our listeners' hearts away and got them all on board the Lupin train. And so now let's go rotting off, laughing all the way as we cash in our treasure. The man is a nice man, but he's cool, you know. Walter, yeah, the machine cries, bang, bang, 
Again, to Dr. Fox Angel for coming on the show to talk about Lupin with us, this classy manga collection, and hopefully there'll be even more manga Lupin releases coming out for us to talk about Please. in the future. <laughs> and yeah, it'd be great to just continue to explore the world of Lupin the Third manga. But you know, there's been a lot of great conversation about the franchise in general. You know, a lot of great thoughts on the anime and the general media of Lupin, and of course we recommended it before as a community shout out and brought it up in our conversation I'm sure but definitely if you haven't yet check out Shannon's video on Lupin the First and what they really enjoyed about it uh, as a Lupin feature you know and just their tops on it so I always enjoy Shannon's essays and I thought that their first review is really really excellent and again go and follow them for just general Lupin takes because they always have Lupin on the brain and yeah for other thoughts on Lupin though there have been a lot of great places that you can go to for a great analysis and discussion. Lupin Central being central among them, of course. They do a great job uh, reporting news about everything that's going on in the Lupin world, and as well as editorializing like new releases and content and stuff, you know. They did a lot of great reviews for Part 6. They did a great feature on the Greatest Heights manga collection, where they, you know, took a look at the copy. They compared the release to the Tokyo Pop release. They broke down the stories, where they came from, and what's interesting about them. And yeah, they did a great job really taking a keen eye to the release and looking at it, how it compared with the previous two release. I thought they did a, a great job with that. In addition to that, they did a great feature recently about like manga stories, stories from the original manga that they would like to see adapted into the anime. So I thought they picked a lot of really interesting chapters that, yeah, this would be cool to see adapted. So definitely... I thought that feature was great and it works as a great recommendation list for chapters, stories from the manga to check out if you're curious to explore even further past the classic collection and hunt down the Tokipop releases and read more and have a list of you know some of the, the best stories to check out from those. Another great uh, blogger in the Lupin space that uh, whose work I'm really enjoying recently is Kara Dennison's pieces on Lupin. They are doing like kind of a Lupin the Turd Rewind project and they've been basically going through part one reviewing it episode by episode kind of breaking down what they're noticing about how the series kind of evolves how you know breaking the plots of episodes of course but also how characters are changing episode by episode overarching themes that they're noticing comparing it with the original Arsene Lupin stories and putting a historical perspective also on like some of the stories as well and I think like their analysis has been really interesting and it's been really interesting just read them put like a lot of these episodes in perspective in context with the rest of the franchise and how it borrows or builds upon these early episodes and other shows other pieces of Lupin media so really been enjoying their series definitely check out their blog for more podcasts on Lupin 
great podcast, the Loop on Focus podcast that's been doing some great episodes, has been Sideburns and Cigarettes. They did uh, some great episodes on Part 6, but also they had two recent episodes that I really enjoyed. One is a starter's kit, uh, the episode they did on Lupin. Basically, they recommended just various pieces of media from the franchise that they think would be good introductions for newbies to get into Lupin, which includes various episodes from parts one and two, movies like the first, and even like the recommended the Takarazuka musical, which was an interesting thing. But yeah, I think that they did a great job choosing a lot of episodes that would be great introductions to Lupin. So if you went through this episode coming out more curious to get more into Lupin, I think their episode on that would be really, really uh, helpful. I think they made some really good selections. And they also did a really great tribute episode to Yoshi Kubayashi recently where they reflected on his most memorable performances in the franchise over the years and, you know, what he means to them, what they took away from uh, his character, his portrayal of the character over the years, which I thought was very thoughtful and they made some very good highlights of his career. So definitely want to give that a shout out. For more thoughts on the manga, Fire King Manga Review had a really nice review on the Greatest Heights collection. It's a little bit short, but it also, you know, Sam, the host of the podcast, you know, he has a very personal connection to Lupin. Like he mentioned that he's cosplay Lupin, he has three different Lupin jackets in his closet, you know. He's, he's a big, big fan of Lupin, so you know, it was interesting to just hear his thoughts on the collection and what he appreciated about it coming out as like a long-time lifeline Lupin fan. And in terms of other recent podcasts, Dub Talk did a episode very recently on Lupin's Be the First. So if you want specifically thoughts on like the English dub side of Lupin and specifically viewing it through the lens of the first, I think they had a great conversation on that. If you want more recent thoughts on part six, like the Tommy Faithful podcast, you know, Lupin part six is airing on Tommy right now. So they basically did an episode recently on the first half of the series focused on the Lupin versus Holmes conflict. And they had a good discussion on it of like what is really fun about the show especially in the episodic episodes and what doesn't really live up to expectations when it came to the Sherlock plotline and how that kind of fizzles out in a kind of boring and predictable direction but uh yeah they talk about the highlights and some kind of disappointments of that and it's overall good conversation so definitely want to recommend that a lot of great video essays on Lupin that have been made recently as well I wanted to shout out so first for kind of an a little bit of an older video but I think one that's fairly relevant to your conversations. Toshio Okada, you know, the founder of Gainax and, you know, producer on a lot of the early projects. You know, he has this YouTube channel called Oda King and people have been like subbing his videos uh, in English and they mainly have been focusing a lot of his Ghibli related uh, conversations and lectures on his YouTube channel in terms of what they translate. But one of the videos they translated late last year was his discussion on the final episode of of Lupin that Miyazaki directed, Farewell, My Beloved Lupin, The Last Episode Part 2, where Okada really dug into, you know, the context of that episode. Like, obviously not just in context of, like, the obvious connections between, yeah, I mean, you know, the heroine that looks like Nausicaa and then the, the giant robot is, like, the robot in Castle in the Sky and stuff like that, but also, like, thinking about, well, you know, this episode clearly plays homage to Fleischer's uh, Superman short, like, the mechanical man or whatever but how Miyazaki watched that like if it was only shown in theaters there was like no way to access it on home video or anything at the time so he 
you must have only been able to see it once and that still it left such an impression on him that he was able to like directly lift inspiration from that short and it's very evident in this this episode in addition to that he puts the episode in context of like well this episode is almost like a reaction to like conversations that were happening when Miyazaki was working on Future Book Conan which was the more like popular critically received show but like among otaku like Gundam at the time was like more popular and more well liked and so this episode was almost like Mizaki in a way being like hey I can do Mecha too but his take on Mecha is so different in philosophy from someone like Tomino's and he explores like what that philosophy is in terms of like the design of the robot and that and then what he's trying to communicate about mass produced robots and robots and more all that so I think yeah it was just a really interesting fascinating deep dive into this episode in terms of like its context in terms of Miyazaki's career and also in the culture of like anime fan at the time and I thought it was just super super interesting and in terms of other like you know deep dives on like Miyazaki and his relationship to Lupin Infinite Snow Productions did a very great video essay just focused on that recently that was just like looking on Miyazaki's work on the Lupin franchise and what he did to kind of redefine the character and codify a lot of things that have just become staples of the franchise in terms of how characters are characterized in terms of tropes that are used like even long after Miyazaki left it so I thought that was a really kind of fascinating look on like Miyazaki's relationship to the franchise and how so much of his touch has remained in the franchise over the years and just exploring his work from his work on episodes on part one all the way through you know his final work on part two and stuff and so I thought that was really really interesting and the creator Delaney you know they have done a lot of different articles on Lupin on their medium as well so definitely check those out as well you know, they've also done additional articles on Kazakaki Lostro, uh, on Lupin just in general, on Mr. Yamano. So definitely, definitely check those out. In terms of other video series, there are like two YouTubers who are really specializing on Lupin retrospectives right now that I would recommend. First is uh, Froban, who is like doing kind of more intermittent like Lupin review pieces. But he has been doing a lot of really interesting episodes. Like recently, he has done a video where he's like ranking like he's reviewing and ranking every episode of Lupin part two uh, it's kind of broken it up in like seasons so like a set of four but yeah it's just interesting hearing him go through every episode and like kind of evaluate and it's obviously not mileage with Mary on like what episodes you'll like more than him and stuff and definitely I have like some disagreements but like I think his thoughts on the episodes and what works about them are very interesting and in general I think his Lupin videos are really strong like his episode on part one did a good job looking at a lot of different angles Uh, his episode on the pilot film was really well researched well done and uh, his episode also on Strange Psychokinetic Connection also really good so definitely his videos uh, I've been really enjoying his Lupin takes and especially it's nice to get like a British perspective like he's based in the UK so it's interesting to also hear like kind of a different kind of cultural differences in like how Lupin has been available over there what he has access to and how that also affects kind of his perception of the the media in general that he gets to engage with 
And then I think like the big, big YouTube project going through Lupin is Cloud Connections Legacy of Lupin retrospective series. He is going through the franchise in chronological order. And yeah, he's been doing a great job just again, going through every installment bit by bit. You know, he's covered the first three parts. He's covered all the early films. Now he's basically in the TV specials era. So yeah, it's been a pretty long going project now, but I've really enjoyed again, just his look at Lupin and how it grows and evolves changes like in chronological order so definitely one to recommend that is like hey if you want like kind of a big big overarching franchise dissection series like that's definitely i think the one to follow right now and i've really been enjoying it and yeah those about do it for my community shots of this episode all lupon focus but like i said there's a lot of great lupon coverage and discussion and analysis going along in the community right now a lot of different places whether you want to read more blog posts or to listen to podcast or watch videos there's a lot of great lupon fan community content out there to explore and enjoy and enrich your knowledge and appreciation of the the series of characters we all really love and have continued to love for a very long time and hopefully a long long time yet but yeah uh, with all those out of the way all that stuff to check out uh, definitely go look at that stuff but uh look forward to our stuff as we head into our wrap-ups and where you can find us for more lupon talk and conversation for sure um we probably mentioned it at the end of our discussion, but just one more quick plug for a podcast miniseries that uh, myself, Doc, and Foxy did over at the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast called the Changing Jacket series, where we went over a whole lot of like Lupin movies and specials and everything. And that was a lot of fun to do. Uh, we'll definitely leave links to that along with everything else we've talked about on this episode in the show notes. Yeah, as well as our previous Manga Merits and Movies coverage of Castle of Kagilostro, Lupin Street the First, and Blood Spray of Goemonishikawa. For sure, for sure. But yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Manga Mavericks. We really hope you enjoyed it. And until the next time you listen to us, uh, we're going to go ahead and end the show there. But not before we let you guys know where you can find us and all of our stuff. Starting with my good friend Lum, where can the good people find you? You can find me at Lum Ramiyasha on Twitter. It's Lum Ramiyasha, a variety of places like Animation Revelation, Analyst, Letterboxd. For Twitter, it's Lum Ramiyasha. You can find me there by that name. You can read my manga reviews on mangamavericks.com. A lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews planning to go out. Look forward to more in there. You can also find my other podcasts on there. Lum Squad, the Earth's Gaps of Focus podcast I do with my good friend Andrew Ayesu Shimura. We discuss the wonderful Wacky World of Mukakashi's classic sci-fi rom-com manga, Yurisi Yatsura. Having a lot of fun going through the mangas released by Viz Media. The anime is available by Discotech and streaming on Crunchyroll. And we're very excited to look forward to the new series coming out pretty soon next month. And cover the classic series as the classic TV series is finally being released by Discotech next year. So there's a lot to talk about when guys use so we have a lot to plans a lot we're looking forward to so if you want more classic discussion on classic seminal influential anime manga series definitely listen to our show you can find us on twitter adam underscore squad you can find our channel youtube channel by searching for it in the search bar or youtube and then you can also listen to the podcast pretty much every podcast platform you can think of apple podcast spotify stitcher anchor we also cross post episodes in the manga arts feed and post episodes early sometimes a lot early on the members of Patreon. And if you enjoy the art I do for our shows, the illustrations, thumbnails I make, or the animations illustrations I make in general, you can find that stuff on my Instagram at SetArtWorks. All right, but as for me, I'm Colton. You could find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I also host and produce a lot of my own other podcasts outside of Manga Mavericks that you can find links to over at my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. You can go over there to uh, click on the podcast page and basically check out all the other podcasts I'm doing at the moment. 
even some podcasts I'm not doing anymore, and even all the guest spots I've had on other podcasts over the years. I also mentioned this during the Lupin discussion, I think, but you can also read the only writing I've ever done where I actually did a top five of my favorite episodes from Lupin the Third, Part One, the uh, 79 anime series. And uh, yeah, go go check that out uh, if you want to know more about how I feel about uh, part one of the anime in particular. But uh, yeah, I, I just figured I'd bring that up on here because that is on my personal blog as well if you go there. And uh, this is a Lupin episode, so this is the one time I can uh, mention that and doesn't seem forced. But yes, uh, coltoncorner.wordpress.com is where you can find that and basically links to all my other podcasts that I'm doing and or not doing at the moment. But as for us and Manga Mavericks in general, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks over at mangamavericks.com. That's where we post every episode first, unless you're a patron of ours at Patreon patreon.com slash manga mavericks where at the two dollar tier in particular you will have access to select episodes of the podcast depending on uh, when we have them edited basically if we have an episode of the podcast edited before it's supposed to go up on our main feed we'll put it up at the two dollar tier on our patreon first for patrons to listen to before anyone else but also that really depends on uh where we're at in our editing schedules and what we have done and everything so really if you want more reliable content admittedly you should sign up for our five dollar tier where we post a new bonus podcast at the end of every month Actually, this month, uh, you could look forward to our final installment of the Manga Mavericks Book Club read-through that we've been doing on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 2, Battle Tendency. I have been going through the JoJo manga with my good friend Grant at Grant the Thief on Twitter, host of such podcasts as the Blade Linking Thieves podcast, Super Senpai podcast, and Adventure Tomes. And yeah, we've been going through JoJo. It's been a lot of fun. We just finished up Part 2, and hopefully soon... In the next few months, we will be starting up our read-through of Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. So, yes, uh, we have decided to keep going with JoJo's because talking about JoJo's is very fun, and I want to keep doing it. So, uh, you could look forward to that. But again, until then, if you have not yet listened to our read-throughs of Part 1 and Part 2, those are available at our Patreon at patreon.com slash at the $5 tier along with uh, a bunch of other bonus podcasts that we've done over the years. Uh, that's basically where you can find all of our bonus content. Again, uh, signing up for our Patreon really is like the best way for you guys to support us and everything we do here, uh, because everything we make on our Patreon goes right back to, you know, keeping the website up, keeping the podcast up. Like it really does help more than I can really explain, quite honestly. Uh, so again, that's at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, and please sign up if you so wish. Okay, but as for everything else, you can find us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks or on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mavericks, where over there we post different excerpts of the podcast, including some exclusive content every once in a while. Once again, that's at youtube.com slash mavericks. Please subscribe to us. If you want to be like Griffin at the top of the show and send us an email for us to read on the show, you can send us those emails at mavericks at gmail.com. Do you have any thoughts on Lupin the Third manga anime, the franchise in general? You know, what are you reading right now? Are there any manga that you want us to talk about on the show, maybe, uh, that you think that we should check out? Again, email us anything about manga, the podcast, or whatever, at mavericks at gmail.com. We love getting emails from you guys, and when we do get emails from you guys, we'll read them on the show. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on so many different platforms at this point, but especially on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can do this kind of thing. Ratings and reviews really help the visibility of our show, helps us get out there to more listeners. And just in general, we love getting feedback from you guys, whether it be positive or negative. And we want to use that feedback to make the show as good as possible. 
Um, but yep, that is going to be about it for this episode. Once again, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Manga Mavericks. This has been episode 213, and we'll see you guys next time for episode 214. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.